0: Welcome to this, what day is it, Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I gravely apologize. We did not have a show on Monday. I, I I apologize sincerely. I sincerely apologize for not having a show on Monday. But it was for a good reason, because we released Mock Draft 2.0, which you can find on all different forms of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or not YouTube. I'm just used to saying it at this point. But LinkedIn, you can find it on there as well. You can also just go to theloganbladmanshow.com, go to the blog section or scroll down to the main page and click on it there. It will take you right there. And with there being no show Monday and Mock Draft 2.0 getting released Monday, that means today is a mock draft evaluation, mock draft recap edition of the Logan Blackman Show, which means this show is probably going to be a long one. So stay tuned, fasten your seatbelts, and let's get ready to talk about things that will probably be irrelevant two weeks down the line because things are going to change like crazy, and we'll get to all of that and more. But before that, let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show in every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show One, Facebook and YouTube. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow and like the Facebook page. Again, you can check out the blog post on all those different forms of social media. Or again, you can just go to the Logan Blackman and you can go into the blog section. It'll be right there. And though it's early, though it's early, I am disappointed at this point in time with the number of views that Matra 2.0 has gotten. Versus Math 1.0. So, Math Draft 1.0 has surpassed the most viewed thing on the Show.com. So, give yourselves a round of applause. I greatly appreciate everybody that's tuned in or that has clicked on that. You know, I don't care if you read it. Just as much as you clicked on it, that helps a lot as well, which is the whole thing again. Clickbait journalism. It doesn't matter if there's any substance to it, but you clicked on it. Now, I promise you, there is substance to it, so I would greatly appreciate it if you did read through at least some of the picks, or at least your team's picks, but thank you for clicking on it altogether. But right now, mock Draft 2.0, at this point in time, got to load it up real quick, has a whopping 19 views versus 146 on mock Draft 1.0, which was dated back on February 20th. Maybe it was the length of time it took to read the entire thing, 69 minutes. This one's 72. So remember last time when we said that that was the most, the, the, Longest blog post and Logan Blackman show or mock draft or draft expert history, yeah, uh, this one has surpassed it. And I don't really know if that one's even the longest one, but we'll not we're not going to focus on that. But the main thing here again, make sure once again you follow Logan Blackman show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to search it up in the search bar. You're listening right now, so if you're not subscribed, you're not sure if you're subscribed. Might as well you should you might as well check to make sure you are subscribed. And if you are, give a rating out of five stars. And if you haven't done either, subscribe and give a rating out of five stars. And if you give it a one-star rating or a five-star rating, just let me know why you feel the way you do down in the description below. Whether it's a good thing or bad thing or you're just feeling meh about the show in general, just let me know down below and we'll try to fix or continue doing whatever you leave down below. I would greatly appreciate it. But again, this is a mock Draft episode. This is a mock Draft 2.0 episode. This is a very exciting episode because it's one of my favorite episodes to do. Because one of my, I've said this a thousand times on the show, my favorite time of the year is the NFL Draft. My favorite time of the year. And I have followed the NFL draft extensively since 2017. Like, very, very closely. I started making mock drafts for the 2020 20, the 2017 NFL draft, and I started posting mock drafts in the 2018 NFL draft, because that's when we made the Logan Blackman Show Twitter account, and then we made a bunch of different other social media accounts from that as well. But that time, around 2018, we weren't doing podcast episodes. We were doing live radio stuff down at William Penn, and didn't have the option. Or we did, but I at the time, I... Felt weird about it. I don't know why. I just felt weird about doing podcasts into episodes of Logan Bobich. I was like, I want to do live radio, like it really matters. So I try to make to simulate this as much as of, of live radio as I can. So I don't know if it sounds good or bad. So I'm obviously going to be biased and be hypercritical, or I'm going to think it's really good. But I'm going to be on either end of the spectrum. It's up to you to know if it's really good or not. So I hope it's good, and I hope today's episode is good. And I hope you do take the time to read through some of the picks on Mock Draft 2.0. And we'll say 1.0 again. And we'll post some other links on social media again. You can check out Mock Draft 1.0 from Mock Draft 2.0. If you want to compare and contrast the two Mock Drafts, the link to Mock Draft 1.0 is at the top of the blog post. So if you want to go back and check that one out, you can there. But you can also just go to the blog section on the Show.com. Now, this Mock Draft is fun. It's very, very fun. And I'll tell you why it's really, really fun. It's more fun than the last one. Because we officially... Have a trade. Officially have a trade. Friday, I was going to be appear on Cole and Company. We we're going to recap the combine and all that stuff. We we're going to talk about the different Iowa and Iowa State players. we got, like, Lucas Van Ness, Jack Campbell, Will McDonald, Xavier Hutchison, all these different players at Iowa and Iowa State. We we're going to talk about that on the show. But, like, ten minutes, maybe even less than that, before the show started, and Cole is a big-time Chicago Bears fan, the Bears announced a trade with the Carolina Panthers, who traded up for nine to get the number one overall pick in the draft. And uh, they gave up a lot for it. The Panthers gave up the ninth overall pick, the 61st overall pick, a 2024 first-round pick, and a 2022 or 2025 second-round pick. So first round next year, second-round pick in 2025. The main thing, though, that is the creme de la creme of this entire trade, Is that they traded star wide receiver DJ Moore. One of the big things for the Chicago Bears going into this draft was we need to try and surround Justin Fields with weapons. This is a big time statement of intent from the Chicago Bears. Like, we talked about numerous times in the show that it was stupid to try and think that the Chicago Bears were going to draft a quarterback in this pick. Like, remember when Justin Fields said on Part of My Take, he was talking about, oh, I hope the Bears build a dome because I don't like playing outside. And then everybody took it and ran with it, like, oh, the Bears need to move on because he's soft, he doesn't like to play outside. News flash, no one likes to play in the snow. If you say you like to play in the snow, you're freaking lying. No one likes it, especially from the quarterback position. It makes it damn near impossible to throw the football. But against the Bills, Justin Fields made some very impressive throws in a freezing-ass cold game. Very cold game up in in Chicago against the Bills this year. Made some really nice throws throughout the game. He can play in the cold. But what I thought was funny about the whole thing is that you're going to replace Justin Fields with a guy, and I like Bryce Young a lot. I like Bryce Young a lot. You're going to replace Justin Fields with Bryce Young, who is from California and played his college football down in Alabama. He has never played, to my knowledge, below 50 degrees in his entire life. He has never played in a game that is below sub-50 degrees. I could be completely wrong about that. Maybe we'll dump it down to 40, just to be safe, be more on the safe side. So you're going to replace a guy that apparently doesn't like to play in the cold with a guy who's never played in the cold, who I would almost guarantee would hate the cold even more than Justin Fields did, who played his college football at Ohio State, though he went to Georgia originally, He finished his college career at Ohio State, had great success at Ohio State. And now we're going to replace him with a guy from who's never played in the cold weather before. Like, we knew, like, it didn't make any sense in the world for the Bears to trade Justin Fields. This dude ran for 1,100 yards this year, was 70 yards off the all-time quarterback rushing record for a single season set by Lamar Jackson when he won the MVP, unanimous MVP, Let's remind people, the second-ever unanimous MVP in NFL history, who is now not exclusively franchise-tagged. But we're not going to talk about that. We spent a lot of time discussing Lamar Jackson last week, so we're not going to spend that much time on it. But Justin Fields didn't have anything around him. They let Justin Fields be Justin Fields last year. And you saw what he can do. Now just imagine what he could do with an off line a semi-competent line a semi-competent group of receivers. Like the trade for Chase Claypool looks worse and worse by the day. But that was with him being viewed as the number one option. Which I don't know if the Bears actually thought he was number one option. I know most Bears fans out there with an attached brainstem and all that stuff did not believe that Chase Claypool was going to be the number one option in Chicago. He wasn't that in Pittsburgh. He wasn't going to be that in Chicago. And he got like around 100 yards receiving this past season. So the Bears needed to recruit, recruit a second round pick with the trade back. And this is probably the best haul they could have gotten. And you could go into the whole thing going like, oh, well, why didn't the Bears just go with, like, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, a college teammate of Justin Fields? They've stayed in touch throughout the off-seasons. They like each other. They should have gone with that. Well, maybe they still can. Maybe they still can. But we know what DJ Moore is. We know what. We're not taking a guess. We're not taking a flyer on DJ Moore. And DJ Moore has played in Carolina. He has played with a lot of different quarterbacks that are way worse. In my opinion, I guess you could say otherwise – but the quarterbacks he's played with in Carolina are a thousand times worse, in my opinion, than Justin Fields is. And he still managed to put out 3,000-yard, 1,100-yard seasons. Not just 1,000, 1,100-yard seasons. Even last year, he had 888 yards receiving with the likes of Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and who else? Was it P.J. Walker was there? Like there was, again, just not great group of quarterbacks there in Carolina. And then he had seven touchdowns. His career high in touchdowns last year. He averaged 14.1 yards per receiving. This guy can ball. He is a certified pass catcher. Like He is a legit pass catcher and gives the Bears an actual option out wide. I like Darnell Mooney. I like him, but he's not a number one option. He could be a very, very good number two or number three option in the Chicago Bears offense. Adding DJ Moore takes a lot of pressure off of Mooney, who has already been a 1,000-yard receiver in his career. Like, Mooney's no slouch. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not saying Mooney can't play. Mooney can definitely play. I just don't think he's that top-tier option you're looking for in the Bears' office, which is why they made the move for DJ Moore, and why a lot of people out there were saying that the Bears could move for a wide receiver if a trade back took place. It just depended on how far they trade back. Because, they like, hypothetically, if they traded back with the Indianapolis Colts at 4, they weren't taking a wide receiver. They were not taking a receiver at 4. That would have been ridiculous. It's still kind of crazy to think about taking a receiver at 9, in my opinion, I think what the Bears off the line was, I think that's going to be the number one option there at number nine, because you got a couple really nice options there. I just saw a thing earlier today of Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach of Northwestern, say who is a Bears fan, say in an interview that the Bear once he saw the Bears trading back, he's like, Oh, Peter Skronsky's a Bear. And they were like, What do you think of the pick? He's like, Well, I think they got our I think we got our new left tackle. Peter Skronsky, obviously Northwestern left tackle. He's got some question about his arm size or arm length and stuff like that. A lot of people expect him, or not a lot of people expect him. A lot of people out there see a future as a guard in the NFL, which could be very possible. I mean, Brandon Scherf was a tackle at Iowa, got drafted fifth overall, and now he's an All-Pro guard, or at least a Pro Bowl, or I guess I shouldn't say All-Pro. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm kind of sure he's an All-Pro at one point. I'm not 100% on that. But you look at, like, Rashawn Slater, the guy Scrantz who replaced at Northwestern, he was kind of in a similar boat. And Rashawn Slater has been a very steady presence for the Chargers when he's been healthy. When he's been healthy. That's the key thing here. When he's been healthy. He hasn't been healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. But we're hoping that he comes back this year because he's a very, very good left tackle. Made a Pro Bowl in his first year as a starter. I think it was a starter as well. Like, Northwestern, for whatever reason, recently, has been able to come up with a very good group of tackles. Like, you look at Skronsky's draft and you look at Slater's draft, they were arguably the top tackles in their draft classes. Like, you could say O'Panay oh, Sewell was considered the can't-miss prospect of the draft. I had them 1A and 1B, Sewell and Slater. And I kind of have a similar-ish situation here in this year's draft with Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State and Skaronsky. Johnson, who has played guard in college, is more of your prototypical off-to-tackle size, six foot six, like 310, 315 pounds, longer arms. Like, if you're looking for a tackle, you're looking at Paris Johnson, but Skaronsky is just... Sound, sound, sound. That's what you're. If you want that kind of person, you draft Skronsky, which is the same thing that was said versus Sewell and Slater. Long term, you might be getting a better option in Sewell, but if you want just technician from the opposite tackle position, you'd go after Rashawn Slater. oh I'm drinking tea. I got some green tea next to me. I'm trying to cut out energy drinks and sugary drinks. I have attempted this numerous times. So I. At William Penn, I've discussed this on the show before, I had a, me and my roommates had a thing called Monster Tower. If you walked into that room, you got cancer. That's pretty much what it was. Like, we built a tower of monster, and it is, like, it was a big tower, yes, it's not like, oh, oh, monster tower, so it was just really big. Well, it was, but it was of monster, like energy drink monster, and we stuck it up in the corner, and at one point, it lost all structural integrity and couldn't stand up on its own. So it was just Monster Pile at the end of our time, our freshman year at William Penn. Or was it freshman year? When was this? Or was it after our sophomore, it was sophomore year? Sophomore year at William Penn. It was gross. It was gross. So when I went up to UNI, I didn't drink any caffeine, like energy drink, soda, whatever. I didn't have anything for about a year and a half, two years. But then I got back on drinking Red Bull and said, so I haven't had a Monster I, I don't want to go back to Monster. I, I've kind of lost my my flavor for Monster, I guess you could say. Like you drink that many Monster? Like have you ever bought a six pack of an energy drink before? No. Yeah, me neither. Until I bought Monster at William Penn, so I don't really look at Monster like that anymore. But now I drink Red Bull. I like Red Bull. I only get the small sugar-free ones, so I don't go the twelve ounces ones. Twelve ounce ones, like I did in high school. I just do the normal eight out, eight point four ounce or whatever it is, sugar-free. But I'm, you know, talked about, you know, just I'm better than everybody, so I start working out again. I'm trying to get off of that again. So green tea is the next direction I can go because I did look up the other day, or yesterday actually, healthier alternatives to drinking energy drinks. So we're going to go down that route. And hopefully green tea is that. I drink a lot of water, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to find solutions to water. I don't want to be one of those weirdos like, oh, water's gross. I don't like the taste of water. Though I don't, I don't understand those people. I do like water. I got a cup of water with me right here. Glass of water. A chipped glass of water, but we're, we don't care. We don't care. We host the Logan so We don't care. See, that was the water. And this is the green tea. Tell See if you can tell the difference. Uh, that one, It's still a little hot. I My mom got me this kettle for Christmas, and it boils up to 212 degrees. And it was at 207 when I took it off. So it's, it's freaking hot. It's hot, okay? But what are we even talking about? I don't know why that was something we needed to bring up here. Why did we bring up Monster Tower? Because right, I just took a random sip of green tea, whatever. But, yeah, this this trade for the Bears trading back to 9 was something that we had in Mock Draft 2.0 before the trade happened. So we announced on Friday that Mock Draft 2.0 was going to come out on that Monday. And the trade happened on Friday. But before that happened, we had the Carolina Panthers trading up with the Bears, but that was after the Bears traded back with the Colts from 1-4. to four. And then the Bears traded from 4-9. to nine. I thought that would be a more realistic thing that happened. But, hey, if you can get a haul like that, and you've been as busy as Ryan Poles has this offseason, like, we'll go over all the things that the NFL has done, like, all the different moves they've made this offseason. They just got Tremaine Edmonds the other day. They paid a lot of money for him. I wanted Tremaine Edmonds back in Buffalo. And when we talked about during the season, I was like, hey, they're going to decide between Poirier and Edmonds, and I would lean towards Edmonds given his age. But for what the Bears paid for him, there was no way the Bills were ringing him back. There was zero chance Bills were paying, bringing him back. There was a rumor of him getting 15 mil a year or something like that. He's getting, Now, it's not that far off. I mean, when you're talking millions, it's far off. But you're looking at, like, uh 15's not that far away from 18. But he's getting 18 yearly. So, we'll see how that – they got another linebacker in the process as well. They got two linebackers for less money than they would have if they had to re-sign Roquan Smith. So, it's like a chestnut checkers type thing here. And that's kind of what this trade is. Like, Bears fans wanting a wide receiver, you get DJ Moore. And now you have the ability to take it off to tackle. So now you really are in a position to where you can truly surround Justin Fields with pieces. And then after this, if it doesn't work out, then you can go, okay, we should look at a quarterback option. If it doesn't work when you're building around him, then it's not going to work. That's kind of the telltale sign of that. But I think Justin Fields, we said it when he was in college, I've said it now, this dude can play. This dude's one of the toughest SOBs at the quarterback position. I've said it a thousand times. That game against Clemson is one of my favorite college football games I've ever watched as a neutral. Like, it was an awesome game. Awesome game. And especially when you go into the bat, like, go deeper into that story and realize Clemson didn't even have Ohio State in their final top ten. And then Ohio State trounced them with a quarterback with broken ribs. Like, it was awesome. Now they exerted all their energy against Clemson and got ass-blasted by Alabama in the national championship game. But that Clemson game was really fun to watch. I like Justin Fields a lot. So I always thought that there was no chance they're going to draft a quarterback. Like Justin Fields, get him help. And then we will see what he is. If he doesn't if it doesn't work out with that, which we already, I think we kind of already know what Justin Fields is, but this way we get to see it tenfold. See him in it like with actual competent pieces around him. We'll see what happens with the Bears running back position, because David Montgomery's not coming back, apparently. And Chargers running back Austin Eckler has apparently requested a trade or permission to seek a trade and and guess who was one of the first teams that called, if not the first team to call? Per reports, Ryan pulls in the Chicago Bears. So we'll see what other moves they have on the table. They still have more cap space than every other team in the NFL. After signing Tremaine Edmonds to a massive contract, they still have more money than everybody else. After signing an con- uh, offensive lineman, after signing another linebacker, they got $50 million left. Hey, the Bears are making moves. The Bears are making serious, serious moves. I'm not saying it's going to be enough to get them to a playoff berth, but hey, this team is making moves. As for the Panthers, you're drafting a quarterback at one. And what was kind of funny about this, that I, what I thought was funny anyways, is that reports came out after they traded that the Panthers were open to trading back. So this is a situation like draft day. Draft day, through the whole thing. I mean, draft day is a fine movie, but it's a it's it's annoying at the same time. So you don't think it's realistic and it's not realistic unless this situation happens. The Browns in that movie trade up to one, but they have a quarterback in the roster. Now the Panthers don't have that. They have Matt Corral, Sam Darnold just signed with the 49ers. So he's off the table there. But then they're talking about, oh, we're going to trade back. Why'd you trade up to one if you're going to trade back? And they traded back a few times. So maybe something will come out with one of these quarterbacks and they just don't like him. They end up drafting a defensive guy. Who knows? But they got fleeced so bad that their reports came out that said, oh, they're open to trading back. Like there's no way around it. This could work out very well for the Carolina Panthers. Who the hell knows? Maybe they get the next Patrick Mahomes or something like that. But as of right now, they got fleeced. Because looking at the Panthers roster, they don't have anybody for this new quarterback to throw to. Like, you remember, you traded Robbie Anderson midway through the season last year, or chosen Anderson. So your receivers right now, if you're the Carolina Panthers, are Terrace Marshall from LSU, who's on the National Championship LSU team, Laviska Chennault, Shee Smith, or Shy Smith, and then you their final receiver is Preston Williams. Where you're not really sport for choice here at the wide receiver position if you're the Carolina Panthers. And you're under, you're like you're free agents. If you want to go back and bring someone back from free agency, Rashad Higgins and Andre Roberts. Like who is this new quarterback going to throw to? You're going to want to re-sign Devonte Foreman. That should be something that should be on the cards. Because him and Chuba Hubbard worked pretty well last year together after Christian McCaffrey got traded. But you need to get some other options here. I like Laviska Chenault Jr. I like him. I thought at the combine he didn't perform as well as he did. He ran the 40 in this baggy-ass t-shirt. But he was a baller at Colorado. This dude can play. It's just a matter of, let's see if he can actually fulfill his potential. Because I do think he's got some potential there. But right now, without DJ Moore... That's kind of nerve-wracking. Now, it makes it even more nerve-wracking because you trade the 61st pick. That's what makes it a tiny bit more nerve-wracking, is the 61st pick's gone. Because that would be a very nice option for a wide receiver. Now, saying that, I don't know if the Panthers have a second, second-round pick. Let's check. Because they might. And if they do... Okay, they do. They have the... I don't... What? Why am I stupid? I, I'm i really stupid. My mind was like, oh, the 61st pick is their first second-round pick. No, it's their first, because... I I don't know. They have a second-second-round... Or first... They have a... (laughs) Good lord. They have a second-round pick still. They have the 39th pick. So if you're the Carolina Panthers, let's hypothetically go through this. You draft... Let's say... In my mock draft, I have CJ Stroud. If I trade up to number one pick, and I'm a team like the Carolina Panthers, I personally... Would want somebody that would... If you're trading up from 9-1, to it feels kind of... I don't know. I like Stroud a lot. I do like C.J. Stroud. And I think that's who the Panthers are leaning right now. But I really think there's a chance that Anthony Richardson goes 1. I really think there's a chance. Because when you trade up to 1, you've got to get a difference maker. Do you think C.J. Stroud is going to be that difference maker for you? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that we will have to wait and see on that. I think he can be. I do have my reservations about CJ Stroud, which we've talked about on the show before. But let's say hypothetically, so the Panthers, we have them taking CJ Stroud with the first overall pick. So Stroud goes one. I'm doing I'm on Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator thing. So we're going to see what receivers are available with the second pick cuz you're going to need a receiver. And Josh da- Josh Downs is available right there. So your first inclination would be Josh Downs. You got Tank Dell from Houston, would also be there. Again, this is not how it could... This might not be how it goes down. Then you got Michael Wilson from Stanford. You got Rashi Rice from SMU. Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. Very fast guy. I could definitely see him rise up boards. Kayshawn Booty from LSU. Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Well, you've got options. I mean, if these are the available options, you're taking Josh Downs. So, hypothetically, you're getting C.J. Stroud and Josh Downs. If this goes... How this thing went, which how how the pro football focus grade it. We got an A grade. So CJ Stroud got an A plus. Josh Downs got an A minus. Which doesn't make any sense because they graded him as the 30th best player. We took him to 39th. You'd think that'd be an A plus, right? I guess not. Let's take another sip of green tea here. Let's take another one. Oh yeah, good stuff, good stuff. But man, it's 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 getting interesting. But Stroud, I think fits what Frank Reich will do offensively. I think he's more of a traditional pocket passer where you're looking at, if you're going Richardson, you're signing another veteran. If you go with Stroud, you're starting right away. If you get Richardson, you're bringing in like Jacoby Brissett or you're bringing in Baker Mayfield again, which I don't really think that's going to happen because, you know, you you cut him. So I don't really think he's going to want to be coming back to Carolina. He's not that. and He's linked with Tampa. So we'll see if Baker Mayfield goes to Tampa, Jacoby Brissett comes up to Carolina. That would be the case if you get Anthony Richardson, because CJ or Jacoby Brissett can play for a certain period of time. You don't want him to be your starter, but he can play for a specific period of time and get you to a point where you're not picking first, but you're not in the playoffs. And that's where the Panthers want to be in a division like the NFC South this year where the best quarterback is Derek Carr, you might you could probably go away with that. But again, if CJ Stroud gets drafted first, you're starting with CJ Stroud right away. In my opinion, now, he's a very accurate passer. He doesn't do a whole lot for you in regards to running the football. We saw him run a few times against Georgia. With his best game running the ball was against Northwestern with the hurricane force winds and all that stuff. Like He's got running ability. It's just a matter of can he utilize it more in the NFL. He doesn't need to utilize it. Like, he's like Joe Burrow in a sense where he can run, he just doesn't. Like, you can see Joe Burrow breaking off some – I think Joe Burrow even runs more than C.J. Stroud does. I don't know if he's nervous when he runs. Because there are times you can see C.J. Stroud, and he does look nervous. But other times, he looks very calm. So if we can find that middle ground with Stroud, I think he could definitely be the first overall pick. If I was taking the Panthers first, I would go for that difference maker and probably taking Anthony Richardson first. But again, these mantras are not about what Logan would do. These mantras are about what I think the teams would do in the NFL. Second overall pick is Bryce Young. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft at this point in time. I know he's not the biggest. He came into the combine at 5'10", 204. Not the biggest guy in the world, but did put on weight, and I think the t- I think he, I know they didn't get Cliff Kingsbury, I know they were linked with him a lot this offseason, and he's worked with Bryce Young before, Gerard Johnson, the quarterback coach, has also worked with Bryce Young in the past, I think that would make sense there, I don't know, I, I, Young's size is one thing, but when you just watch him work, Bryce Young can do so many different things from the football in his hands, I think the most impressive thing he does is throw on the run. Like, his ability to ad-lib is so important in his game, and not only his game, but in the, how you translate that to the NFL. you got to be able to make plays on the fly. Because not everything in the NFL is going to be perfect. Rarely is it perfect. And Bryce Young could have arguably run a similar-ish style offense to what Alabama ran when Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. But he's such a good passer that he didn't need to do that. Jalen Hurts is a very, 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 very good quarterback in the NFL. Damn near, He's an MVP candidate, was the best player in the Super Bowl, but at Alabama he was not what he is now. He got coached up by Lincoln Riley and got to Philadelphia and got built up through there as well. Bryce Young is a legit passer of the football which Jalen Hurts wasn't at Alabama. I think Bryce Young can run the football really really well, but he doesn't choose to. And he's very smart about when and where he takes hits. He had that injury against Arkansas, but that was kind of a freak thing. I don't really expect that to happen too many other times. But He's very smart. He doesn't take a lot of big hits, but he can stand in the pocket. He can take hits. It's not that he he can't. He is very smart in winning where he does. So I think Bryce Young to Houston, I think that's going to be the guaranteed one. If, if he's available, he's going to go there. That's how I'm picturing it. Now, Anthony Richardson, we have him going third. We had the Raiders trading up to draft Anthony Richardson at three. If you listen to last Wednesday's show, we said the Indianapolis Colts most likely The two people they were most interested in were C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. And we said at the end of that little segment that my gut was telling me Stroud Panthers or Stroud, wait, what was it? Stroud Colts, Young Texans, Richardson Colts, Levis Raiders. And I think those four teams will take quarterbacks, but after the trade eventually happened, my opinion about where these guys would go has altered a little bit. Because of the trade, now I think CJ Stroud will probably go number one to the Panthers. I had him going number one to the Colts. The last before the trade officially happened, we had Anthony Richland going to the Raiders at, or to the Panthers at four. But with the Raiders here at seven, the Colts. So I have the Colts taking Will Levis. So we have quarterbacks going with the first four picks, which I think is something that could really realistically happen because the Cardinals have said they're open for business at the third overall pick. They're stuck between a few players at third overall between it seems like Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. So trading back alleviates the option there, and they get more picks in the process. But the Colts, this was something at the Combine that I did not hear before, but I saw it on Friday when I was writing this month, finishing up the mock draft. I saw this on Friday. i got to find the quote in here, because I wrote it down in the description for... <laughs> Where is it at? Okay, here we go. Uh, if you listen to the group, I Okay, I found it. So... There's, this is what Chris Bound Ballard said about trading up to number one, anyways. And now that's off the table. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. There's got to be a guy worth it. I know everybody in America is going to say, going to say like this is the great, this is what's great right now. Everybody has just automatically stamped that you've got to move up to one to get it right. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. But that's going to be the narrative, and that's okay. You guys write something. You gotta, you gotta keep the news flowing. I don't know if that's the right course of business. When we meet as a staff and we say, okay. This is what we need to do. This is the guy we're go- This is the guy for the next 10-15 years and we think he's going to be the right guy. We'll sh- sure, we'll do it. But who's to say we can't get one at 4? And not only that, I know that's talking about the number 1 pick. Per reports that I have seen, it seems like the Colts are going to stay in pad at 4. Because they're guaranteed one of the four quarterbacks in this draft. They're getting one of 3 right now. Hypothetically if a team trades up, they're getting one of 4. they're guaranteed a quarterback. It doesn't matter if they trade to three. It doesn't matter if a team trades up to three and pass them. It doesn't matter if they stay at four. They will get a quarterback regardless. It may not be the guy they initially want, but they're getting a guy. And to me, I have them taking Will Levis. We already talked about Anthony Richardson going to the Raiders. I think Anthony Richardson being a top three pick makes sense. Makes sense a bunch. I think the Raiders like him. We've talked about their GM really like or being intrigued by Richardson. I think after the combine, I think being able to jump the Colts who seem to be standing pat at four makes sense if you want to get your guy. I know they're linked heavily with Levis. They like Levis. I thought of the idea of drafting Levis, but I can't see an idea at this point in time where Levis goes before Richardson. At this point. And the Raiders did just sign Garoppolo. And I think drafting Richardson with Garoppolo there would be Great bit of business for the Raiders. Absolutely great bit of business for the Raiders. Like, you have a guy in Garoppolo who is familiar with Josh McDaniel's system. Very familiar with it. He was with it in New England. And he's been around the block in the NFL. Was a starter for the 49ers. Been to a Super Bowl before. Has had deep playoff runs before. Like, he's been around the NFL. He's a very experienced guy in the NFL. You can get like Richardson, who is very raw, very notably raw, and you have him learn under Garoppolo, who, again, has been in the McDaniel system before. I think that'd be beautiful for his development. I think absolutely perfect. Because Garoppolo's not going to be a long-term answer in Vegas. Everybody knows that. Garoppolo signed a three-year deal. Cool. I don't know if he's going to stay out that whole three years in, in Vegas. I don't know how long he'll be in Vegas, but I doubt he's going to do anything past that three years. Now, Levis could very much be their guy. Because there's people talking about Levis might need some time to develop as well. Which is weird to say because he's 23 years old right now. He's the oldest out of the top four quarterbacks in this draft class. But if you're trading up, again, I like the idea of trading up to draft Anthony Richardson. Whether it's the Pandas trading up to one, or it's the Raiders trading up. I think Richardson at the Combine blew away everybody, but he's not just a Combine warrior. Like, the dude did put up good stuff last year at Florida. It was, like, again, I've said this a thousand times. There were throws that he made that were like, wow. That is amazing. And there's other throws he made that were like, wow, what the hell was that? Like, there's ins and outs of both of them. He is accurate. He may have some inconsistencies with that. I don't want to go and label him as inaccurate, especially if you just look at the completion percentage stat. I don't want to do that. And I think sitting behind someone like Garoppolo, I'll keep reiterating this because I think it's important, a guy that's been with McDaniels before, which is a big reason why he's in Vegas because McDaniels is trying to get, quote-unquote, his guys there, Trying to create the New England Patriots out west. You know, that's worked a thousand times before. Trying to create another version of the Patriots. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be really fun seeing Rich in there. And as for Levis, the Colts have sent a lot of scouts to Col- the Kentucky games. They've sent a lot of scouts to Kentucky games. There is a na- I know he hasn't met with them officially yet. But there has been a lot of reports of there being common interest between Levis and the Indianapolis Colts. Whether it's from Ursay, whether it's from Ballard, whether it's from whoever... It has been noted that the Colts do like, to a certain extent, like Levis. So I think they'd be fine with any of the quarterbacks available in this draft. I think they'd be fine with any of them. Whether that's Richardson, whether that's Levis, whether that's Young, whether that's Stroud, I think they're going to be happy with anybody. But that's when we have them taking Levis. And maybe they go out and get someone too. Maybe they go out and get someone to be there before Levis gets there, or before Levis is ready to play. But I think these four, going these four teams... I, I like it. I like it. It's aesthetically pleasing to me. It's aesthetically pleasing. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is the first defender of the board's Will Anderson. With the the speculation surrounding Jalen Carter, I think the Seahawks going to Anderson makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's the best defender in the draft. You're barring Carter again. The the legal issues are going to be very big in that regard of who deciding who's going to be taken first between Carter or, Rich, or Anderson. Which is another reason why I have the Cardinals trading back. But the Seahawks need help. On defense, they're talking about wanting to, what do you call it? Add some depth, add some, there's a key word I'm missing here. There's a very key word I'm missing here. What the hell is it called? <laughs> oh, no. Dynamic. They're trying to be more dynamic up front. I think adding someone like Anderson, who, though, is not a natural D-end and won't play in the Seahawks as a D-end in the Seahawks 3-4 defense front, unplayed as an outside linebacker. But having that come off the edge is what you're looking for. The Seattle That will definitely make your defense a whole hell of a lot more dynamic. And we'll talk about another spot, when they come to the 20th pick, of going more interior. And you look at what the division they are in. You look at the 49ers, you look at the Rams. Building a lot of their success based off their defensive line and based off their defense and edge rushers, I think this would fit. I think Willie Anderson would be a very good fit for the Seattle Seahawks. Number six, the Lions, we haven't taken Jalen Carter. We haven't taken Jalen Carter. They have a very solid young defensive line right now. you got Hutchinson, you got McNeil. Like You've got pieces there, but you're still going to want to look to add a couple more in there. I know there's reports saying they like the corners in this draft class as well, but I can't see Dan Campbell being the guy that passed up on Jalen Carter. I think there's a possibility it happens, but given what Dan Campbell is, I think Jalen Carter, barring off-the-field issues, is a Dan Campbell-esque player. I think Jalen Carter would fit perfectly, and what the Detroit Lions want to do, I think he'd be perfect. Three tech in there, you could be a very, very build a very solid defensive line in Detroit with just those three players. Like they have the pieces there now. I think this would be very fun to see. I'm very, I'm be very excited to see Jalen Carter go to Detroit. I think it fits. I again, the off the field stuff will have to sort itself out. We'll have to see if he falls out of the top ten. I don't think he will. I think the farthest Jalen Carter realistically falls is 9 to the Bears. I don't think he falls past the Bears. I did toy with the idea of him going to the Philadelphia Eagles at 10, but I don't think the Bears pass him. They could to take an offensive lineman, but they need help on defense as well, especially on the defensive line. So getting Jalen Carter for Chicago would be big, but if you're the Lions and you can take Jalen Carter and have him go up against the Bears twice a year, I'm sure they would love that. He just feels like a Dan Campbell player. He just feels like a Dan Campbell player. Oh, the Cardinals at 7 taking Tyree Wilson. We talked about before they like Tyree Wilson. His length is ridiculous. He's got an 86-inch wingspan. And the Cardinals have holes at both the line and outside linebacker. He could play either role. Zach Allen, who was expected to re-sign with the Cardinals, I think just went over to Denver? Where did he re-sign? He signed somewhere because the NFL, they tweeted out Zach Allen signing somewhere, but they didn't say the team. (laughs) They didn't say what team he signed for. So I don't know where he signed. Bron- okay, he was with the Broncos. That's what I thought I saw, but I wasn't 100% sure. Broncos, former Cardinals, defensive end Zach Allen agreed a three-year, $404, $45.75 million deal. I think Tyree Wilson fills both holes there. Zach Allen and J.J. Watt leaving. J.J. Watt obviously retiring. Zach Allen going to the Broncos. I think Tyree Wilson, with his length, would be able to play as one of those DNs on 3 4 defense. but again... I have no doubt in my mind that he could play as an outside linebacker. And they could realistically take him at three as well. But I think the trade with the Raiders, I think it makes sense. And it made it easier for me because I was like, I really think he'll go to <laughs> to the Cardinals. I really do. But I had a hard time just picturing the Cardinals drafting him before Willie Anderson. It was kind of like a Jalen Rager versus a uh, Justin Jefferson type thing. Because you've seen the drafts from the 2020 draft that I made. We had the Eagles taking Jalen Rager. Because reports were the Eagles liked Jalen Rager quite a bit. But in my head, I could not realistically go in there and go, okay, they're going to draft Jalen Rager before Justin Jefferson. There's no way. So I I had him training back and drafting Jalen Rager because I was like, there's no way they're going to draft before Justin Jefferson. And they did. And they did. Which is just awesome to think about. Then you got number eight, the Falcons. We have taken Christian Gonzalez. Reports are saying the Falcons really like the cornerback class. And Christian Gonzalez, based off what he did at the Combine, has kind of put himself at the forefront as a lot of people are considering the top corner of this draft. I think him and Devin Witherspoon, we have going ten of the Eagles, offer a couple different things. You got Christian Gonzalez, who's an athletic freak. I believe he used to play wide receiver in college. He's like six foot two, like he's a very big, physical corner. And same with Devin Witherspoon is not as big, but the dude will light you up. The dude will absolutely level you if need be. And again, he's a lot smaller than, or not. I shouldn't say a lot smaller, but he's smaller. Christian Gonzalez comes in at 6'1", 197. That's what he weighed at the combine, or that's what he came in at the combine. And then you got Devin Witherspoon, who's 5'11", 181. So there's a little bit of a size difference between the two. So it's just going to be a matter of what you want. You got a more gritty corner in Devin Witherspoon. I liked the fit with Detroit with him, but I couldn't see them passing up Jalen Carter to draft a corner. I'm sorry. Maybe they do. Maybe they do do that. But I, I couldn't picture that. And Christian Gonzalez is more athletic. So it's just a matter of what you want. But apparently the Falcons are going to be really looking for a corner to help partner A.J. Terrell, who's been a very good corner since getting drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago, back in 2020, which was seen as a reach at the time. But the dude, it was kind of one of those things, which we've talked about before. What's the last thing people remember you doing? A.J. Terrell, the last thing people remember A.J. Terrell doing was getting absolutely destroyed by Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. That's the last thing people remembered him doing. So when he got drafted 16th overall, it was kind of like, what the hell is going on here? But he has proved that was a fluke tenfold. Or maybe not a fluke, because those two are very, very good. They're two of the best receivers in the NFL, let alone in college. But he's been proved to be better than C.J. Henderson, who was drafted ninth overall by the Jaguars, who was another corner that the Falcons were reportedly really trying to get in that draft. Because there's connections between the Falcons and the Jaguars' ownership, or their the front office. So the move for C.J. Henderson was on the table, but they ended up taking A.J. Terrell. And I don't even know what C.J. Henderson's doing now. He got covered in the Jaguars, he went to the Panthers, I don't know if he's still on the Panthers, who the hell knows where he's at, I don't know, but I know AJ Terrell's still in Atlanta and playing very, very well. Obviously, edge rusher is going to be a big thing here, but if they like the corners, the same thing that happened last year. They liked Drake London a lot. They took Drake London. Regardless of the need of edge rusher, they were linked heavily with Jermaine Johnson from Florida Florida State, but after after you get past Tyree Wilson, is there an edge rusher that's going to go in the top 10? I don't know. I think Nolan Smith from Georgia has an opportunity to, based on what he did at the Combine, but I think his size might drop him out a little bit outside the top 10. Maybe Lucas Van Ness. We had Keon White going here. Miles Murphy, maybe. But I think once you get past, like, Tyree Wilson, I think you're really looking at, I don't really know if there's going to be another edge rush. Maybe a tackle's an option here, because Caleb Aguirre got released or didn't get re-signed. So, who knows? But I went with corner here. I went with corner. I think Christian Gonzalez is a very good option for the Falcons. Speaking of offensive linemen, number nine, we have the Bears taking Paris Johnson, Jr. Again, this is more of an aesthetically pleasing offensive lineman versus Peter Skronsky. I think those are going to be the two options for the Bears. I think, obviously, connections with Northwestern are going to be very, very big. But I think the connection with Justin Fields will also be very big. And Paris Johnson at the Combine says it would be an honor to be back with him again. That's what he said. That's what he said at the Combine. It'd be an honor to be back with him. And again, if you're looking for a traditional left tackle, someone that looks like a left tackle... Someone who's very physical, it's Paris Johnson. Paris Johnson's got a higher athletic ceiling than Peter Skronsky, which is what could see him go a little bit higher. Because in the NFL draft, you're trying to look at what would be better long term versus what's better right now. And I think a lot of teams in the draft could see Paris Johnson being one of those guys at six foot six, three hundred and thirteen pounds what he was listed at the combine, as someone that you could have long term. Like be a more if you going five years down the line, who's gonna be better between Skronsky and Johnson? It could very well be Skronsky. But teams will look at Paris Johnson's athleticism and go, like, this is the guy that could be the better option moving forward. And the connection with Justin Fields is there. It would give the Bears a bookend left tackle. You got DJ Moore, and you get Paris Johnson. Nothing says we believe in our starting quarterback more than surrounding him with pieces like receivers and off to linemen. It's very, very big. Especially when he had none of those in years gone by. When he had the Eagles, we obviously said them taking Devin Witherspoon. They said Darius Slays. They're allowing him to look for trade. James Bradbury is going to go somewhere else. So they need a corner. It's pretty much simple as that. I know they have needs along the defensive line. They did re-sign Brandon Graham, which is big. But in, uh, Javon Hargrave just went to the 49ers for a big deal. But corner is the best option here at this point in time. Klaja cancel will get linked here. Uh, there's going to be some people linking B. John Robinson there. They did sign Rashad Penny today. Which is very interesting. So we'll see if that works. If he's going to be their number one guy, if he's going to be a rotational piece, who knows? But I think corner, given the value, I think corner makes the most sense here at 10. Number 11, same pick as last time. Broderick Jones going to the Falcons, to the Titans at 11. Similar thing to Paris Johnson. It's more of a athletic ceiling type thing. Broderick Jones, athletically, is maybe next to like maybe Anton Harrison, maybe the most athletic tackle in the draft. And he's built like a freaking rock. Like he's a, rock, a boulder, is what you would describe Roderick Jones as. And he's 21 years old. He's young. His best football is arguably ahead of him. He's very physical. He tries to rush into things. We can see him get beat every once in a while, especially downfield. But I think that with the Titans clearly starting to tank, they're saying that Derrick Henry's open for trade. They cut Bud Dupree. They cut Taylor Lewan. Ryan Tannehill will probably get traded at some point. Robert Woods, they didn't, they let him go. Like the Titans are going to start a kind of rebuild, and I, you know what? Fair. I mean, Caleb Williams, Drake May are gonna be available next year. If you want to get a quarterback, you look at the rest of your division, and you see the Colts with CJ, or the Colts with Will Levis, hypothetically, one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. Texans with one of the top quarterbacks in this draft with Bryce Young probably. The Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. You're sitting there with Ryan Tannehill. With Josh Dobbs is the guy getting stuck between you and the playoffs. Is Josh Dobbs? You're gonna to want to look at quarterback long term. They're not probably not gonna move for one here. Maybe I think there is a chance they do that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rule it out completely. I definitely think there's a chance. I think Will Levis would fit in very well down in Tennessee. Maybe you see a trade up to six if Levis falls a little bit. Who knows? I could see that. I could see that happening. I could see that happening. So let's not rule it out. But I think they're looking towards next year. The tank is happening. So. Yeah, let's just get him an off-to-tackle for now. Try to get him a start with a tackle, and then we'll get the quarterback next year. But again, it's going to be a, like, the com- the conversation between the top tackles in the draft is very minimal. At number 12, we have the Texans. We have to Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith blew up the combine. Absolutely blew up the combine. At, four, at 239 pounds, or 240-something pounds, ran a four three nine, Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, again, he's not the biggest guy in the draft, so I don't really know if he'll be a top-10 pick. I think there's a chance, given how athletic he is, and given Georgia, you cannot look at Georgia defensive players and look at production, and that's how you judge them because they rotate so much and have so many talented players that you can't honestly just look at it and go, well, he didn't put up 20 sacks or 15 sacks or whatever, so he sucks. No, you can't do that. But Nolan Spitt is a freak athlete. He was hurt the latter parts of last season. He was obviously the guy that said, thanks for everybody, that said Georgia's going to finish 7-5 and five this year. We know no one said that. But I think him going to Houston, I think it makes sense. I think him and D'Amico Ryans would be a very good pairing. If the Texans stick with the 3-4 defense, I think this could be a very, very good fit. I, I'm pretty sure they ran a 3-4 defense. Last time I checked, they ran a 3-4, but I gotta, I'm got i going to check that now. Obviously, that could change with D'Amico Ryans coming in. No, they did not run a 3-4. But regardless, I think Nolan Smith's speed should be able to allow him to breeze pass off to tackles. Now, he is going to need to get bigger. He has a frame to where he could put on some pounds. He could definitely be a force to be reckoned with on a three a four three defense. But right now, he does at times get bullied by bigger off-to-linemen if he doesn't get past them right away. Because he's a freaking blur. If he gets past you, good luck. But if you get in front of him, you can block him fairly easy because he's very small. He like he's two hundred he's hundred pounds less than some of these off to linemen out here. So if he doesn't get past you, that's gonna be the issue for him. But if he puts on the weight again, I don't think I can't see why he wouldn't have any problems in the NFL. I think this dude could be an absolute problem, an absolute game changer. Thirteen, we had the Packers. We traded with the we played trade with the Jets. It hasn't happened yet. It's dragging on at this point, but it just seems like this is gonna happen. And it's really funny because I saw a tweet a little bit ago. It was about Aaron Rodgers talking about, oh, Rodgers hates the. Rodgers is upset because the Packers won't surround him with weapons. You look at who he's been asking to go to the Jets with him, or who he wants the Jets to re-sign, it's Al Lazard and Randall Cobb. So the same people he had in Green Bay, he's wanting with the Jets. And there's not talks, apparently, of them training Elijah Moore. and He's also wanting, I guess, Odell Beckham Jr. So we'll see what happens with the Jets, because they already have Garrett Wilson. They're not going to go out there and sign three other wide receivers. They're not going to do that. They're, they're not, they could, but I highly doubt that. And it'd be really funny. It'd be so funny if this trade didn't go through, if this trade didn't go through, if the Packers ended up holding on Aaron Rodgers, this would be so funny as a bills fan, as a fan of a team, that's a rival with the New York jets an indivision rival, the New York jets, nothing would be funnier than this trade falling through. Because Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, rookies from last year's draft class, have all been recruiting Aaron Rodgers. All been talking about how Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. And then he doesn't come? Especially after Mike White went down to Miami? Oh, this would be funny. Now, as someone that wants to see Jordan Love play, I would like to see Aaron Rodgers play somewhere else because I want to see Jordan Love play. As a neutral. I want to see Jordan Love at least get a shot in the NFL because who the hell knows if he's going to get that if Aaron Rodgers keeps playing here. Because Jordan Love's going to have to get traded at some point. I don't think the Packers are going to trade him. I think there's way more likely they're going to trade Rodgers. They traded up to draft Jordan Love. This GM and this owner, this current GM and front office stuff, they drafted Jordan Love. They're going to want to see some sort of return on their investment from Jordan Love. So Rodgers probably gone. He looked gone last week, and the trade still hasn't happened. And Rodgers has been talking about we don't want this thing to drag on, and yet it is dragging on. It is dragging on. Hey, Aaron, do you like Imagine Dragons? Because good freaking Lord, man. This thing won't stop. But I think it will eventually happen. And the the freaking Dolphins, like, everybody's gearing up at the AFC East. The Bills just restructured Josh Allen and Von Miller and somehow clear up $32 million. I don't know how the hell that works. But the Dolphins went out and traded for Jalen Ramsey, gave a third-round pick and a tight end. Um, Jets moving for Rodgers and all of his best friends. So we'll see what happens in the AFC East. But who knows? Jacoby Myers just went out to Vegas again. Patriots player, the same Patriots player that threw the ball to J- Chandler Jones for the Raiders to win last year. He's playing chestnut checkers again. He knew what he was doing. He wanted to be in Josh McDaniels' good graces, so that's what he did. Now he's with the Raiders. But man, this thing's dragging on. But if it does happen, because I thought it was happening, and then now it, it's up in the air again. We're gonna we went with the, tra- the jet, the And either way, if the Jets pick here or if the Packers pick here. I wasn't going to change the pick. It was Peter Skoronsky, the off dilemma lineman from Northwestern. Again, the thing that could cause him to fall a little bit, and I don't I don't really think it matters all too much, but a lot of these scouts and GMs really find this important, his arm length. I think now, if he had T-Rex arms, like actual T-Rex arms, then yeah, there would be some sort of an issue here. And I understand to a certain extent why this is a big thing, because you want to create separation between you and the defensive end or the defensive player. But really... It hasn't been an issue for him up to this point. He's been a very consistent off to tackle for Northwestern. He's been very, very good. Like, this is not something that should be an issue, but there could be some teams that wanted to transition him into the guard. With the Packers, I could see him playing either one. Because one thing the Packers off the line has been over recent years is inconsistent, and that's regards to play and health. They have been very unhealthy recently. So I think adding someone like Scrantz, whose dad or grandpa was a captain under Vince Lombardi... It just makes sense. The NFL loves these, like, storybook ending type things. Like, oh, his grandpa played here. We got to get him here. Now, again, the Bears could end that, and he could go play with the Chicago Bears. He could play with the Bears. He's a Northwestern kid. Played near Chicago. Played in Evanston. Pat Fitzgerald's obviously going to be in the ear of Ryan Poles and Matt Iverpliss telling the draft, Peter Skronsky and all that stuff. But if he falls and the Packers trade up to a 13, I think there's a very realistic op- option that he goes to Green Bay there. Because they do need line help. It might be the first thing you think of with the Green Bay Packers, but I think there's an option there. 14 Patriots. This one's kind of the surprise pick of the draft. It's Zay Flowers from Boston College going to the Patriots. With Jacoby Myers being gone or going to Vegas, and I wanted to do this pick last time. In the last month the draft, I really wanted to put Zay Flowers in, in uh, New England, but I didn't do it. I ended up going to the offensive line, which I still think is an option here. Still think it's an option here. But the Patriots recently, and just kind of forever since Belichick's been there, have been a type of team where we're going to draft a guy wherever we want. Doesn't matter if you find it weird or not, or strange. Like Cole Strange last year. Who the hell thought Cole Strange would be drafted in the first round last year? The Rams were scouting him to be a fourth or third round draft pick last year. They drafted him the first round. So this could be something that everybody's kind of surprised about, but the Patriots are like, yeah, we've always liked this guy. And you look at Tyquan Thornton even last year. Tyquan Thornton wasn't even considered really a second-round pick, and then the Bar- the Patriots freaking took him in the second round. Their first two picks were kind of head-scratchers there. Now, Zay Flowers, he may not have the production you're looking for for being a top-15 draft pick, but this dude can ball. This dude can absolutely ball. He's only five foot ten, but he's put on some weight. He's about 185 pounds right now. I don't remember what he weighed in at the Combine, but he's put on some weight. And this was before Jacoby Myers went to the Raiders, because that happened today. So, Jacoby Meyer, I mentioned Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar both being free agents. They have a need at wide receiver. And with this guy being in Boston, playing for Boston College, they have had access to him. It's kind of a similar situation to that of the Steelers and Kenny Pickett last year. You had access to him throughout his college career. And again, he never put up monster numbers while at Boston College when you look at the offense that he had. But Flowers registered 503 yards after the catch. Which is really cool because the Patriots are really good because the Patriots don't have a lot of quote-unquote separators, which is why they drafted Tyquan Thornton last year, why they signed Nelson Aguilar. And now when Nelson Aguilar is a free agent, Kobe Myers just went off to Vegas. You're going to need that, look for that again. Like this dude can play. He's very elusive. He forced 25, tackles, forced 25 missed tackles last year. Most receiver, or where is this? ranked third in the nation for wide receivers this past season. Like, this dude can play. This dude can play. Might not have the numbers, but I think this dude could definitely be in the conversation for the first receiver off the board. I definitely think that. Definitely think that. 15 Packers, again, we have not taken Lucas Van Ness. They have some needs along the defensive line. They play a 3-4 defense. Two of those guys are free agents. They got some needs of the edge rusher as well. Lucas Van Ness, Iowa guy, makes sense. Had a good combine, ran a 4-5-8 at the combine. He looks good. He looks like a Packers player. Looks and feels like a Packers player, at least to me. Now, When I did mock draft 1.0, I toyed with the idea of Jalen Hyatt going here. Because I saw some stuff a month ago, about a month ago, that get ready to start seeing Jalen Hyatt mock to the Packers. I saw that quite a bit. Or not, I shouldn't say quite a bit. I saw a couple reports about that. And then recently, I've seen the same thing pop up. The Packers really like Jalen Hyatt. They really like Jalen Hyatt. And you look at Jalen Hyatt, he ran a 4-4 at the Combine, which is weird because that's insanely fast. But people are still looking at it like, oh, that's slower than what we expected. Because people were kind of expecting Jalen Hyatt to run in the low four threes. Ran a 4-4. Four four. I don't think that Hyatt will go here. I think he'd be more likely to go with a second-round pick. But with his speed, it wouldn't surprise me that much if he went here. Especially with Alan Lazar being a free agent. Especially with Randall Cobb being gone. You've got Romeo Dobbs. You've got Christian Watson there. Like You've got receivers there, but you add a guy like Jalen Hyatt to be that deep threat along with Christian Watson. You're surrounding Jordan Love with nice weapons. I've seen a lot of tight ends drafted, mocked here. But I think this is more an on-brand Packers thing to go off to lineman and edge rusher here. And J- Lucas Van Ness, when you look at the Packers' defensive line and you look at their edge rushers, they're bigger dudes. Like, there were part, there was part of me that wanted to go Nolan Smith, but he doesn't fit the mold of what the Packers are looking at or what they currently have at edge rusher. Maybe they could move on from that. Maybe they go, oh, we could use his speed on the edge. Because, like, you look at Rashawn Gary, towards tore his ACL last year. So you're going to need a guy to at least come in for that. And Lucas Van Ness, when Gary comes back, can play as a DN in that 3-4 defense either way. Like, Lucas Van Ness works on a lot of levels here for the Packers. And again, he just feels like a Packers player. I could be wrong, but he just feels like a Packers player. We had him in the last Mod Draft going here. Uh, 16, Washington, we have taken Joey Porter Jr. One pick away from his dad's team. One pick away. But uh, he performed the best at the Combine. He ran a lot slower than what people were expecting him to at the Combine. Because there are reports that he was going to run in the low 4.3s. I think he ran a four three or 4.48 or something like that. I could, I don't have the exact time. I don't have the exact time. But he has 34-inch arms. Like, this dude, long arms. 6'2", 193. Like, he's got all the size you're looking for. And he may not have run fast at the combine, but this dude can run. Like, this dude is fast. Like, it's one of those things where, we've talked about before, there's a difference between football speed and there's a difference between track speed. 40-yard dash is track speed and technique. If you don't have the right technique, you're not going to run fast. If you're all over the place in the 40-yard dash, you're not going to run fast. But you don't need to do that on a football field. Joey Porter on a football field is fast. And I think when you look at the commanders who need have a need at corner, I think this is definitely an option to look at. I think he's in the conversation for the best corner of the draft. I think it's top three and then everybody else. In no particular order, Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter. Those are the top three guys. Everybody else kind of falls after that. You look at the likes of Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, Julius Brent's put himself in that conversation. DJ Turner from Michigan put himself in that conversation. Um, who else is up there? McKey Ringo from Georgia, Cam Smith from South Carolina. You've got options in corner, but I think after the first two guys, you got Porter and then everybody else kind of. And then whatever order you want after that kind of. But I think Porter would work well with Jack Del Rio's defense. 17 Steelers, Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Apparently he's acing all the offseason meetings. He's a right tackle by trade, but I don't think I don't really see why he couldn't transition over the left tackle he he'd be. Steelers need help in the O-line. Steelers need a lot of help in the offensive line You look at when they drafted Najee Harris. People were wanting off-the-line then because they haven't really adjusted after that off because they lost four stars that off on the offensive line alone. Four out of the five. Like, they need help in the O-line. People liked Najee, but it was one of those things, who's blocking for Najee? It wasn't really a diss on the pick itself about Najee Harris. It was about, we need off line help. Then he drafted Kenny Pickett last year and still no off-the-line help. So now you need to go back into this draft. James Daniels worked out for you. Getting him from Chicago, that worked out. But that's been about it, really. You need help at tackle. Darnell Wright, the Steelers like him. He's done well in meetings. You look at the best game he had last year was against Will Anderson. Will Anderson, the fifth overall pick in this draft, one of the top defenders and one of the top overall players in this draft, said that Darnell Wright's the best player he faced. Out of all the players he faced at Alabama, he faced a lot of really good players, Darnell Wright was the best one. They're saying Darnell Wright could definitely even shoot up higher than this pick. So, who knows? But we got him here going 17 to the Steelers. 18, we got the Detroit Lions taking Brian Branch. Brian Branch, like a lot of safeties in this draft, did not run particularly well at the combine. But, his on-the-field stuff was really, really good. His on-the-field his field drills were excellent. Like, everybody knows Brian Branch can play. Brian Branch is not a burner. We knew that watching him in Alabama. We knew he wasn't going to run particularly fast time in the 40. And you look at the Detroit Lions... Who have a terrible ass defense. We have them taking Jalen Carter first at sixth. And then you come back to 18th, you're gonna need some help in the secondary. Their secondary stinks. And you look at all the people that are leaving in their secondary, or that could leave in their secondary. So you got like Mike Hughes, is available for free agent. Uh Amani Orawi sorry if I pronounce his name wrong. I apologize for that. It's also in free agency. Then you've got starting free state Deshaun Elliott's a free agent. And then you got starting nickel, Will Harris. So that's four key pieces in the secondary that are potential free, potentially leaving this offseason. Brian Branch, what's beautiful about Brian Branch is that he can play all these different positions. If you need him, you play outside corner. That's not his natural spot, but he can play there. His natural spot's nickel. He could definitely fill the need at nickel. He played a star role at Alabama. He was, I think, third on the team in tackles last year. He's not afraid of contact or anything. Like, he's a nickel, what he mostly played, but you could definitely line him up at free safety. You could definitely line up at either space-D spot. The dude just plays football. He's a very good football player, which is what you're looking for, and that's what Dan Campbell's looking for. He wants football players. And I think Brian Branch is a football player and can fill a multitude of needs for the Detroit Lions defense. So if you come out with Jalen Carter and Brian Branch, I think you're coming out of this pretty happy if you're a Lions fan. Uh, 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We haven't taken B. John Robinson. When you look at the Bucs, your first initial thought is not running back. It's not the first thing you think of. But after cutting Leonard Fournette, there is a hole there. I've never been a massive fan of Leonard Fournette anyways. You can go back to any show you want. We've never been massive fans of Leonard Fournette on the show. I've always thought he's slightly overrated, if not majorly overrated. But I like Rashad White. He was the guy they drafted from Arizona State last year. Big dude, be able to catch the ball in the backfield, all that stuff. Put up good numbers at Arizona State. Last year with the Bucks. I don't know if he did enough with the opportunities he was given to be handed the starting role going into the season. And I think with a running back as good as Bijan Robinson, they could really like Rashad White. I really like Rashad White. But if you have a chance to draft Bijan Robinson, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks moved for that. Because whoever the hell the Bucks quarterback is, whether it's Trask, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, or someone completely random, they would love to have Bijan Robinson there. You already have a good set of wide receivers. You just traded Shaq Mason to the Texans, I believe. So you got a hole there. So maybe you're looking at an offensive lineman here. Maybe Osiris Torrance is here. Maybe you're looking at one of the tackles here. One of the other tackles here, like Anton Harrison or uh, Dewan Jones or whoever. Because you also cut. Uh, I'm completely forgetting on his name. I'm blanking. Donovan Smith. You also cut Donovan Smith. So you've got holes along the offensive line. But again, if Bijan Roberts is available, I could definitely see the Bucks taking him. He's similar to that to Saquon Barkley. Just the view of running backs in the NFL, especially in the draft, has changed so drastically. And that was just in 2018. It's changed so much since then that Bijan Robinson, who is widely considered at least a top six player in the draft, is more likely to get drafted with the 31st pick rather than the second pick in the draft. But we're going to find some middle ground here. We're going to have him go 19th. Because I think there's a few teams in here that don't necessarily need a running back. Like, if you look at their initial needs, running back's not number one. But if a guy like Robinson starts the fall... It twists your arm a little bit, and you're like, well, we have to take him because this dude's really freaking good. Because there's no other B. John in this draft. There's other good options, but there's no other B. John Robertson's in this draft. He's clearly the number one running back in this draft class. And if he's available, and you have questions, it could be even slight questions at your running back spot, take him. Uh, number 20, Seattle, Kaleja Kansi from Pitt. Again, we brought up the 49ers and Rams, building their defensive lines. You get Willie Anderson and Kaleja Kansi, that works beautifully. Kaleja Cancey could definitely play, and probably will definitely play, as a D-end in that 3-4 defense. So you could pair up Will Anderson and Kaleja Cancey on the same side. You could cause a lot of ruckus on that side. And I don't think that the comparisons to Aaron Donald are fair for Kansi. And it's one of those things where it's not even a diss on Cansey. You're comparing him to one of the greatest defenders of all time. That is a lot. That is a lot. Like, regardless of who you think you can actually get there, that is a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Maybe he's up to it. Maybe he is up to it. But when you look at the combine, he broke Aaron Donald's record for the 40-yard dash for the fastest time ever clocked by a defensive tackle, or defensive lineman, whatever. 4-6-7. Donald ran a 4-6-8. Like the comparisons will be there. Went to Pitt, smaller defensive lineman, extremely fast. And now, with the Seahawks here, who are talking about making a more dynamic defensive line, getting Anderson, number 5, being blessed with teams needing quarterbacks, and then getting Kansi, who again, it's kind of a Nolan Smith situation where he dominated the combine in regards to the physical, the physical test and all that stuff, but he's not big. He came in bigger than what he was actually listed. He came in at 6'1", 281. He was listed at 6'1", 280 at Pitt, so people will like that, but he's not very big. So there's going to be a question of where his draft stock actually is. If this dude was 20 pounds heavier, then yeah, we'd be talking about a damn near guaranteed top 10 pick, but because he's only 280, that could cause him to slide a little bit, or go a little later than expected. Same thing, again, same thing with Nolan Smith. But I think 20, I think Seattle will be very fun to see him. I, I think it would be very fun to see him, Seattle. Him and Will Anderson will be very fun to see. Uh, number 22, because the Dolphins 21st pick. We didn't have this in the last mock draft. Uh, but technically, the Dolphins have the 22nd, the 21st pick. They don't have that pick. So the rest of the draft, the Chargers don't pick 21st, they pick 22nd. And I saw an analogy on Twitter, it's like, If you're at a sandwich shop and you have a cue card or like a cue card, a little tab, you don't, if someone comes up with a sandwich, they don't, they're not there. They call that number. You're not 21 anymore. You're not 21. You were 22 when you grabbed the ticket. You're 22 still. They're just going, 21? Order 21. And they don't come? All right. 22. That's how it's going to work here. And the charge, same thing. I don't, I don't have a lot of change here. I, I'm taking Dalton Kincaid. Don Kincaid is the best receiving tight end in this draft class, arguably. And the Chargers who have been dunked on by, um, what's his name? Travis Kelsey <laughs> for, for six, seven, eight years. Definitely going to be wanting a guy like Dalton Kincaid. Give the Chargers another option at wide receiver because he's a tight end, I know. But you give him another option, you could split him out wide if you need be. Now, we brought this up earlier with Austin Eckler requesting a trade or requesting permission to seek a trade. If B. John Robinson's available... That could definitely be an option for the Chargers here at 22. Definitely be an option. So if the Bucs don't go for Bijan, I think the next closest spot after that would be to the Chargers at 22. So look out for that. But I think Dalton Kincaid would work really well with the Chargers offense. If they don't get Dalton Schultz, maybe they go out and get Dalton Schultz because Kellen Moore's the office coordinator there. Maybe they just go out and get him. But another Dalton, younger Dalton, I think it would also be very fun. Uh, 23, the Baltimore Ravens, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Really well at the Combine. Played, Did a very good stuff at the Combine. Like, he had a three-cone drill that was faster or on par with Tyreek Hill. And Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was not known as a burner at Ohio State. And when you look at what he did at Ohio State, look at the numbers he put up, especially in that Rose Bowl game when Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were out. This guy was the number one receiver for an Ohio State team that had two top 11 picks and the offensive rookie of the year and Garrett Wilson on it. Chris Olave being the other one. Same team that had Marvin Harrison Jr. on it. Same team that had Mecca Buka on it. Like, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was the best receiver at Ohio State. The problem is, is the hamstring thing. Because a hamstring injury is not something that is guaranteed to stay healthy forever. You have hamstring problems, chronic hamstring problems, that can be a little bit of an issue. Can ruin your long-term health in the NFL, or how people view you in the NFL. Now, he said he's 100% healthy, and I believe him. But him playing, what, three games this past year, and very minimal in those three games, and him playing... At last season, when he was awesome, out of all of his catches, ninety-five catches, only eight of them were outside the slot. That's going to be some cause for concern here. But I think his potential is definitely something that could be imp- like you can put him on the outside and have no problems. Jack Smith the Jigba's running nat- uh, his route running ability should be enough to where you could slide him on the outside and have no issues. I don't think there'd be an issue with Jack Smith the Jigba. I just think there's going to be some questions regarding him. I think if he's healthy going into this draft. Like, we, we saw him play last year. Top 10 pick. Like, no doubt in my mind. Like, right now, we're talking about wide receivers not possibly going in the first round. Like, teams looking at second round options for wide receivers. If Jackson Smith and Jigba is not hurt last year, he's going to the top 10. If not, he's going top 15. There's no way. Like, guaranteed top 15. But, that's not how this one went out. That's not what happened last year, so I think he'll fall a little bit, but I think the Ravens have a great guy there. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is a baller. This could be another Justin Jefferson situation. So who the hell knows? Uh, Twenty-five, the Jaguar or no? I skipped the Vikings. Twenty-four, the Vikings. Deontay Banks. I toyed with the idea of Deontay Banks or Emmanuel Forbes like hundred times last month draft, and I ended up going with Forbes. This time, I'm going with the take that I had originally. That's Deontay Banks from Maryland. Deontay Banks is bigger by a lot than Emmanuel Forbes. Like Emmanuel Forbes came into the combine at six foot six foot tall, 166 pounds. Deontay Banks is damn near 30 pounds heavier, or over 30 pounds heavier than he Forbes. Very physical corner. And also had a 42-inch vertical, which is the highest of the corners, and 11-4 broad jump with a 4-5-3, or 4-3-5 in the 40-yard dash. This dude's combine put him back, pretty much locked him into the first round. Pretty much locked him in. Because again, I was stuck between him and Forbes for this pick. But I think after that, Looking at his size, look at what he did athletically. And the, the Maryland players in general at the Combine play, did, had very good performances. But Banks was a standout one. Banks was a first-round pick probably, maybe, and now he's a first-round pick. And I think the Vikings, who have a lot of questions in the corner, Patrick Peterson just got signed by the Steelers. They cut Cameron Dantzler. They have Andrew Booth. They drafted last year, Got hurt. All, was hurt all season last year. Lewis Seen at safety this year is going to be back and healthy, hopefully. Like they've got good young options, but get a true number one lockdown corner, Deontay Banks. I think that'd be really cool to see, especially with Brian Flores coming in. Like The Vikings are in a very sticky situation. Like they cut Adam Thielen, they cut Eric Kendricks, they cut Cam Dansler. They're talking about cutting Dalvin Cook or trading Dalvin Cook. So there's a lot of weird things going on in Minnesota, but if you can replace Peterson, who is going to be questionable coming back anyways given his age, you need to get a guy like Deontay Banks. Or at least a corner. I guess it doesn't really matter who it is, but get a corner in this draft. Wide receiver, I guess, is an option, but I would go corner. Given how bad their defense was, and that Ed Donatel and that defense are responsible for Daniel Jones being a forty million dollar, a hundred sixty million dollar quarterback. So that's their fault. So figure it out. <laughs> Number twenty-five, the Jaguars, Darnell Washington, compared a lot, compared a whole. Hell of a lot to former Jaguar Mercedes Lewis. That's another guy that Aaron Rodgers requests the Jets to get is Mercedes Lewis. So all of his friends, all of his friends, the guys that reporters were saying that Aaron Rodgers hated all his weapons in Green Bay or the Packers didn't help him with weapons, all the guys he's asking the Jets to sign, reportedly, are former Packers players. So who knows? But Darnell Washington put up a nice little combine. He didn't go like insane. I'm not going to say he's going like supernova, but being as big as he is, six seven, two 264 pounds, we're in a four-six-four at the Combine. That is impressive. That is impressive. Given how fluid he moves for how big he is, I think it makes teams drool. Like, potential there. Especially with the Jaguars. And you're talking about, it looks like they are going to re-sign Evan Ingram. Like, that gives you an insane one-two punch. Two completely different tight end styles at the tight end position. With Ingram was more of a receiving tight end, Washington is a blocker who is going to be an elite red zone target. Like it'd be crazy to see that workout in Jacksonville with those two there. He's compared to a former Jaguar, so why not go back to Jacksonville? I tore with the idea of Osiris Torrance. I tore with the idea of Brian Brezzi going back to team up with Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville, but ultimately went with the ceiling of Darnell Washington. 26 the Giants, Jordan Addison, receiver from USC. He didn't test as well as what people were expecting. He didn't run the fastest in the 40 yard dash, and he's not the biggest. He came in at six foot one seventy five, which people knew he wasn't going to be very big. But this dude can play. This dude was an absolute baller over at Pitt, and I toyed with the idea of him going to the Steelers at 33, the first pick of the second round. And I toyed with the idea of Jackson, or, uh, Quentin Johnston from TCU or Jordan Addison here at 26. I ended up going with Addison. Addison's been compared a lot to current Bills wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. You've got Joe Shane. You've got Brian Dable. Two Bills guys. Get a guy like Jordan Addison there. They just made a big-time trade. For a third round draft, or some late round draft pick, later draft pick. I think it was a third rounder for uh, Dar- Darren Waller. So they now they got a legit tight end in Darren Waller. They got Saquon Barkley under a franchise tag. They locked up Daniel Jones. Get him a wide receiver now. If Jordan Addison is somehow available here, get him. Get him. Because this dude can absolutely play. He didn't put up insane numbers last year, but this dude can play. Don't worry about it. This dude can play. 27th uh, Dallas Cowboys, Drew Sanders, linebacker from Arkansas. This is all because it doesn't look like the Cowboys are going to re-sign Leighton Vander Esch. And I think with uh, Drew Sanders' versatility, he can play as an inside linebacker, outside linebacker, he can play as an edge rusher if he need to. I think that'd be very good. I think I would love to see what Dan Quinn draws up with him and Micah Parsons. I would love to see it. And there's a lot of connections here as well that are a little lazy on my part, but I, I just think these connections are kind of funny. Like, he's from Dallas. He went to high school. He went to two different high schools in Texas. One was 38 minutes away from at and Stadium. The other one was 18 minutes away from at t Stadium. And then he went to Arkansas. He was at Alabama. Transferred to Arkansas, which is where Jerry Jones went. So the connections are there. They have a need at linebacker, so why not go with them? I like the idea of Bijan John Robinson going here, but apparently they're still going to stick it out with Zeke. Zeke is Jerry Jones' guy. So I don't. it doesn't seem like they're going to move on from Zeke. They like the idea of having him and Tony Pollard together. So... They're gonna stick with that. They're gonna ride that one out till they die, till the wheels come off. But you know what? If they if Bijan Robinson's not available, then that makes this pick really easy. Maybe they go after a wide receiver or tight end, because again, Dalton Schultz leaving. So maybe those are options, but I think Drew Sanders just makes a lot of sense going to Dallas at 27. 26 or 26. 28, Buffalo Bills, not the pick I initially suggested or initially thought about when I made mock draft 1.0. It's Michael Meyer, the tight end for Notre Dame. This pick is not something, again, that screams this is the biggest need on the Buffalo Bills. Because remember, the Bills signed Dawson Knox, just made the Pro Bowl somehow this past year after signing a nice little contract extension. He started off the season really slow. It looked like Ken Dorsey didn't really know how to utilize him. And then his numbers got a little bit better as the season went on. They like Dawson Knox. I like Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is very, very athletic. He scored his first touchdown of his football career with the Buffalo Bills. Like, they drafted him in the third round and looked at his athletic ceiling and said, this guy can be a guy that can be a number one end in the NFL. The thing is, and my dad brought this up to me. I never heard this, but he listens to a lot of different podcasts. And he listens to Eric Wood's podcast, who is a former center of the Buffalo Bills. He's a current play-by-play guy for the Bills, or the color commentator for the Bills. He had Brandon Bean on, who's the GM of the Buffalo Bills. And Brandon Bean talked a lot about not having that tight end to partner Dawson Knox, which is something they've been trying to do since he's been in Buffalo. Since they drafted Dawson Knox, they've been trying to find that number two tight end. They brought in OJ Howard last year. It didn't work out. They played Quentin Morris in that role. At times it worked. Other times it really didn't. They had Tommy Sweeney there who just was in and out of the squad. Like It was just a, a mismatch of trying to find another number two tight end. And if you look at the, the Panthers, when Brandon Bean came for the Carolina Panthers, when they went to the Super Bowl, the Panthers ran a lot of 12 personnel, which is two tight end personnel. They ran a lot with Greg Olson and Ed Dixon. Ed Dixon put, didn't put up a lot of numbers, like great, insane numbers, but his, entire, his time in Carolina, he started 43 out of 64 games. They started a lot of games in 12 personnel. Greg Olson started every game he was in in Carolina, at least through that, through that time frame. Ed Dixon started 43 games out of 64 as a backup tight end, as a number two tight end. Again, never put up insane numbers apart from the year that Greg Olson was hurt. But then, a quote from Brandon Bean this is what he said, uh, talking about positions or looking to add weapons on offense. He said, uh, You're trying to determine that the tight end is just, you're trying to determine is the tight end just a receiver only, and they know that, so you're, then they know it, so they're probably going to play him like a receiver. But if you can find those guys that are not throwaway in the run game and can put their hands in the dirt and at least crack and at least crack neutral, then maybe you get the defense into base personnel. And you can throw into that, throw it off of that, sorry. Or good enough that they want to play you in nickel, and you've got two tight ends in the game. You're in 12, that you can run the ball. Michael Meyer fits that. Michael Meyer is is one of the best blocking tight ends in this draft, while also coupling as one of the best receiving tight ends in this draft. I think it can go higher than this. I definitely think it could go higher than this. But with tight ends not necessarily being the the highest value picks for teams in the NFL draft, he might slide down a little bit. I've seen teams, link, I've seen people linking him to the the Packers. I've seen people taking him to the Chargers. I had him go to the Jaguars in the last one. We kind of flipped him in Darnell Washington which is whatever, and he's nicknamed Baby Gronk. Gronk is from Buffalo. So you got that connection there. He wears number 87 because of Gronk. He's an All-American pro all tight end, consensus All-American tight end. He's a really, really good player in both the pass game and the run game, which is something Brandon Bean is looking for and would be a perfect partner to Dawson Knox and maybe could even take over for Dawson Knox. I don't want him to because I like Dawson Knox. But Dawson Knox, there have been some inconsistencies at times with Knox, but I really like him. I do really like him. But if you want to look for 12 personnel, which not only helped the Bills' pass game, something that's been a big problem for the Bills over the past however many years is their lack of run game. And it's not as a team run game. It's having that number one running back to take the pressure off of Josh Allen. Because if Josh Allen is not running the ball, the Bills have one of the worst rushing attacks in the NFL. But Josh Allen running the ball keeps the Bills honest in the run game so their numbers are inflated a little bit than what they would be if Josh Allen wasn't there. So adding a guy like Meyer gives you an extra offensive lineman while also giving you an extra wide receiver. Adding weapons does not necessarily mean we're going to add a wide receiver as what Brandon Bean somewhat insinuated. Adding weapons means adding weapons. And Michael Maher is a weapon in both the run game and the pass game. And then at the combine, he even talked about culture. Talked about culture. Talked about the Bills culture. That's a Bills player already if I've heard it. Like a lot of people are going to be looking at off to line. They're going to be looking at wide receiver. You're going to be looking at Summit safety. linebacker is going to be an option now that Tremaine Edmonds is gone. Drew Sanders played a 4-2-5 uh, defense out in Arkansas, which is the same exact defense the Bills run. So he could fit in perfectly there. He's 6'5". He's a big dude. Or what was he listed? 6'4", 235. Like, he could fit that defense that the Bills want to run if they continue to run that, I guess. Terrell Bernard's currently slated in his start in that role. Maybe they change the defense up a little bit now that Sean McDermott's looking like he's calling plays. So we'll see what happens, but... Though he might not be the first option people think of, I think Michael Maher makes a lot of sense for the Bills. Number 29, the Bengals' Anton Harrison. There's some people that are saying he could go higher than this. Some people think he could be possibly the first tackle off the board. This dude's 21 years old. Just turned 21 years old. Turned 21 back in February. This dude's really young, and he's very athletic. Now, the questions surrounding Harrison, and this is what you get with a lot of tackles that come from past happy teams, is that his run blocking's a little suspect, which is why we have him going a little bit later then maybe what he may actually end up going. You get you see this all the time. You look at Charles Cross last year coming from Mississippi State. You look at Andre Dillard coming from uh, Washington State a couple years ago, back in 2019 to the Eagles. Like you come from these past happy teams, you are there's some room to work with in regards to running it. But with him being twenty one years old, just turning twenty one years old, you feel like you can develop that into him. Like you look at what he did at Oklahoma, and, a thousand and two, he played 1,002 total pass blocking snaps. He allowed four sacks. He started as a freshman at Oklahoma. Now, again, the run blocking will need to be a work in progress. But if you're the Bengals who have seen your quarterback get sacked 92 times in just the regular season over the past two years, he got sacked 70 times last year in the regular season and the playoffs, 92 times in just the regular season over the past two years. And you have injuries to Lyle Collins who got Torres ACL in week 16 last year. You got uh, Jonah Williams just had surgery on a dislocated kneecap. So you've got injuries at this tackle spot. No long-term options past this year. So getting someone like Harrison, who you may even be able to deputize a guard if you need him to. Or move Jonah Williams to guard. Or Lyle Collins to guard. Because I'm pretty sure Lyle Collins has played guard in his career. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he has. Adding Harrison would definitely be a nice step and be a nice developmental piece for the Bengals off the line. Now, again, corner's going to be an option here. They lost two of their safeties this past offseason as well, so maybe they're looking in the secondary. But I think tackle or tight end or something, I, I would be willing to bet they look at the offense first. I'd be willing to bet that. I think they have a lot of needs on defense, but I think tackle is definitely something they should look at. Uh, the Saints at 30, Miles Murphy. That's probably a lot later than what a lot of people expected him to, but you look at a lot of these teams in the draft, not a lot of people are really in dire need of edge rushers. Now, you can have a ton of edge rushers. Like You can really have a multitude of edge rushers. It's not really a position that you need to have one guy. You can draft a 1,000 different edge rushers. Help the Bills are drafting an edge rusher every freaking year past couple years, and only one of them has turned out to be pretty good <laughs> up until this point. Maybe Bashman Epineza turned out to be really good this year. But right now, only Russo has been worth anything right now. And even he's been inconsistent. But with the Cincinnati, with the New Orleans Saints, they just lost Marcus Davenport to the Vikings. He just signed a one-year deal with Minnesota. So they're going to need some help there. They're also losing a few of their starters, or could lose, a few of their starters in the defense tackle spots. Running a 4-3 defense, Miles Murphy played as a three-tech at times at Clemson. So he could definitely deputize as a three tag while also playing as a D end on the three on the four three defense. But if you want to run a three four every once in a while, he could play as a D end. I think his versatility is key here. He didn't run in the combine. He didn't really do a lot of the stuff at the combine, which if you look at some of the other players in this draft in regards to the edge rushers, they benefited a lot from that. He's gonna save it for his pro day, which I think I think was today. I think was today because I saw some clips of Trenton Simpson, the linebacker from Clemson, who could definitely be in this conversation for first round pick, especially with the Bills miles murphy i think to the saints though i think they'll they'll be fine with that (laughs) i think they'll be very very fine with that he does have some inconsistencies but overall i think his length his versatility could be big but i think if the saints if he's there at 30 the saints definitely take him 31 brian brezzi from clemson going to the philadelphia eagles again this is more of a injury concern thing brian brezzi has never to my knowledge has not played a full college football season like He's had a bunch of injuries throughout his time in college. He's battled some inconsistencies outside of that as well. But if you're the Eagles, you have Jordan Davis there. You just lost Javon Hargrave. You, again, went out to 40 49- San Francisco. So you have some holes along the defensive line. Linval Joseph's also leaving, potentially. Then you've got and uh, Sue, potentially also leaving, and Old. So you've got some holes in the defensive line. They're going to address it in some capacity. I think getting corner and defensive tackle in this draft will be a very big for the Eagles, I think running back would be an option. I think Jameer Gibbs would make a, a, a little bit of sense because they're going to be looking for a pass-catching running back. He fits the Alvin Kamara mold, which is who they tried to trade for last year. So you got options there. Edge rusher could also be a thing here, getting someone like Miles Murphy or like Keon White. Maybe you're looking at uh, Will McDonald, who's not a uh, – I mean, he plays a three uh, defensive end on a 3-4 defense, but in the NFL, he's not going to be able to do that. Him It works in college. It's probably not going to work at the next level. Outside linebacker looks like more for Will McDonald. He's athletic as hell. So he could definitely be in a first round. I don't want to sit here and say Will McDonald's not going to go to the first round. I think it's more likely he goes early second. But again, there's options for him in the first round as well. And then the Chiefs, uh, 32, Dewan Jones. They're letting, it sounds like they're letting Orlando Brown test free agency. Josh Wiley just signed with. Oh, uh, who'd he sign with? Um, Andrew Wiley, sorry. I think he signed with Washington. I could be I think he signed a three year deal with Washington. They're in taught they signed Juan Taylor, the former second round pick from Florida, who's with the Jaguars the past few seasons. They signed him. He'll play right tackle, more than likely. So you could bring back Orlando Brown or Dewan Jones, though he played right tackle at Ohio State, he is massive. He is absolutely massive. At the combine, he came in at six foot eight, three seventy four. He has an eighty nine and a half wing inch wingspan. This dude is a freak. He moved really, really well at the Combine as well. The number won't pop out to you. I don't remember exactly what he ran at the Combine. It was in the fives, obviously. But for someone that big, it was ridiculous. The Chiefs, they do a very good job of replenishing uh, positions that are waning, I guess you could say. Positions that they're losing depth on or they need depth on. They're good at finding pieces in the draft to try and replenish those spots. And on to tackle looks like that option this year with both starting tackles potentially leaving. they do. I saw they do like Lucas Niang at tackle, so we'll see if that one sticks. So you could go Lucas Niang at tackle, and then you have Juwan Taylor the other tackle. Maybe that's what they do, but I could also see them going for Dewan Jones. I think he fits the Chiefs. I, I would really like to see Dewan Jones there. But that is uh, that is Mock Draft 2.0 for you. Real quick, let's recap it here. You got Mock Draft 2.0. You got the number one pick, Carolina taking C.J. Stroud from Ohio State after training with the Bears. Houston taking Bryce Young. Vegas trading up with Arizona to get to three to take Anthony Richardson. You got the Colts at four taking Will Levis. You've got the Seahawks taking the first defender and Will Anderson at five. You got the Detroit Lions taking Jalen Carter from Georgia at six. Arizona Cardinals at the trade with the Raiders take Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech at seven. At eight, you got the Falcons taking Christian Gonzalez. Nine, the Bears after their trade back taking Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Eagles take Devin Witherspoon from Illinois with the 10th pick. 11th, you got Broderick Jones going to Tennessee. The Texans with their second pick from Cleveland. They take Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia. At 13, the first, the Packers, two first round draft picks. Peter Skronski from Northwestern. You got the New England Patriots taking Zay Flowers, the receiver from Boston College. At 15, you got the Packers taking Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. At 16, you got uh, Joey Porter Jr. going to the Washington Commanders at 16. Steelers taking Darnell Wright at 17. You got the Detroit Lions taking Brian Branch at 18. You got the Bucks. Moving for a running back, taking Bijan Robinson at 19. The Klijah Cancey, Aaron Donald, 2.0 potentially. Going to Aaron Donald's division rival, Seattle Seahawks at 20. You got the Chargers at 22, because the Dolphins forfeited 21. Taking Dalton Kincaid. You got Baltimore taking Jackson Smith, the Jigba from Ohio State at 23. 24. You got the Vikings addressing the defense, which is a big need for them, taking Deontay Banks from Maryland. The Jaguars taking Darnell Washington, the Mercedes Lewis comparison. Goes down to Jacksonville to partner up with Evan Inger If they resign him, if they resign him, but it'd be very cool if they did. At 25, 26, the Giants take get their own Stephon Diggs and Jordan Addison at 26. The Dallas Cowboys take Drew Sanders at 27. The Bills go tight end with Michael Meyer at 28. Bengals take Anton Harrison to keep Joe Burrow off the ground at 29. Then you've got the Saints taking Miles Murphy at 30. The Eagles taking Brian Bressy from Clemson at 31. And then 32, the Kansas City Chiefs taking Dewand Jones. In total, we had four quarterbacks go in the first round. We had one running back, three receivers, three tight ends, six offensive tackles, three interior defensive linemen, five edge rushers, one linebacker, four corners, and one safety. And a reminder, you can follow Logan Blamish on every single form of social media. You can find all those, all the, this blog post on all different forms of social media. A reminder to follow the TikTok as well. I deleted the video. I ended up deleting the first video we did on TikTok because there was no audio. TikTok is for videos. TikTok is for audio. I don't, there's no audio. It doesn't make sense to keep the video up when There's no, I didn't have subtitles in there. So I can't, you don't know what I'm saying. It's not important in them. So I deleted that one. So we might, we'll have the first TikTok video probably tomorrow or for this show. So stay tuned for that. But this is the only show we're going to have this week because I am watching my, my parents dogs. So I'm dog sitting this week. I only did this show this week because we were going to go over the draft. I wanted to recap draft 2.0. So I had to talk, I had to do this show. But it's the only show we're gonna do this week, so don't don't anticipate a Friday one. Don't anticipate a Friday one. But since we're not doing a show Friday, I thought it'd be fun to do this. We uh March Madness happened, and for those of you who don't know, March Madness is actually what spawned the draft expert with the quotation marks around it, because when I did that, I went on here and I did a mock. I did a, a bra- I filled in a bracket, and I listed Seth Davis, who's on CBS Sports. I don't know if he still is. I didn't watch a Selection Sunday, I was at a friend's house watching in a arena football game. Not that arena football, way down below arena football, the Queen City Insane Asylum versus the ITC Regulators. I think's what they were called, the Wichita Regulators. Fun game. The Insane Asylum won the game, obviously. But I didn't watch Selection Sunday, so I don't know if Seth Davis is still there. I watched the women's Selection Sunday, which is bullshit. I wouldn't get a one c but that's whatever. It's whatever. But. When I was watching Selection Sunday a few years ago, I listened to Seth Davis. I went through and was like, oh, Seth Davis said this. Seth Davis said this. And then you know what happened? My bracket, the team that, one of the teams he was sleeper on was was, uh, Georgetown, who just fired Patrick Ewing as their head coach. Georgetown was one of his teams that he was a sleeper on. Like, oh, this team could surprise a lot of people. You want to know what Georgetown did? They got smacked in the first round. So that's where we coined the thing, oh, yeah, you're an expert. You're an expert with, like, quotations around it. You're just predicting. You're making educated guesses like everybody else is, but you're getting paid to do it. So we were like, oh, mock draft, expert. Because there's a chance that none of these picks are right. I mean, obviously being me, there's like a very low chance that these picks are all wrong. But there's going to be picks that are wrong. We're not going to get every pick right. I've got zero sources. So there's my big thing there. I've got zero sources. So I am an expert. I'm not an expert in the draft. I'm a quote-unquote expert. That's where that coin, that's where it came from, was March Madness. It's like you're just you're like a weatherman, like cool. You d- it might rain, it might not. Those Panthers might take C.J. Stroud, they might not. Who the hell knows? I don't know. I'm just taking an educated guess. That's what they're doing with this. So that's what coined that. But I filled out my bracket already. I'm not going to go through every single pick on here, but um, all right, I will. I will. But I I finished it off. I'm not going to touch it anymore because I didn't I didn't watch a lot of college basketball this year. I went biased on a few of these picks, but. I didn't really watch a ton of college basketball, so I'm gonna take my final sip of green tea, which has been holding on for an hour and a half, so it's very cold at this point. Oh yeah, that was that was beautiful. Oh god, but uh, here we go. So the South, so the one seeds. I did surprisingly get the one seeds right. My friend Justin, he asked me if I what the one seeds were gonna be in the sermon. I forgot about Kansas. I couldn't think of the Kansas team for whatever reason. For every reason, I couldn't think of Kansas. But I got Alabama, Houston, and Purdue right, which I didn't think were too hard to guess. But I, get, I haven't watched a lot of it. I haven't watched a lot of college basketball. So this is all just guesses, really. Which is sometimes the best way to do it. Sometimes the best way to go through March Madness is just completely guess, blindly. So that's what I kind of did. Um, but Alabama, they're the number one overall seed in the tournament. We well, had them winning the first round, surprisingly. We had West Virginia beating Maryland. Charlestown, we had them beating San Diego State. No real reason behind it. I just thought it'd be fun. Charlestown. They're both not they both have not played a ton of top 25 teams. Charlestown's 0 and 1 against top 25 team. And then you've got uh San Diego State who is uh 0 and 2 against top 25 teams. They beat Virginia Tech, Charlestown did. So, yeah, we went with Charleston. Then we got Virginia beating Furman. No real reason behind that one either. I almost picked Furman. I did almost pick him, but I went with Virginia. I did go with Virginia. Furman's got a lot better offense, but Virginia's just a very consistent team usually. I went with Creighton over NC State, Baylor over US, US, UCSB. That one I kind of toyed with, too, because I've watched Iowa State in person. I was at Iowa State, Oklahoma. How did Baylor lose to them three times? I don't know. Iowa State's a very weird team, but I did go with Baylor. I went with Utah State over Missouri because I had a friend in high school. He was a Utah State fan, so we picked Utah State in that game. His name was Stu, and we called him stu Utah state That's what we called him. So I went with Utah State. And then Arizona beat Princeton. And then uh, the ra- round of 32, we had Alabama beat West Virginia. Charleston continuing the run, beating Virginia. and uh, They already beat Virginia Tech, so might as well just beat Virginia as well. Then we had Creighton beating Baylor. Because, again, Baylor's a weird team to me. Don't know why. I don't know how you can lose to Iowa State three times. Iowa beat them by 20. I don't know how that worked. Without Chris Murray, like, it's weird. And I had Arizona beating Utah State. Utah State's run ends there. I had Alabama beating Charleston. Sadly, their run ends there. I had Creighton beating Arizona, so I had Alabama versus Creighton in the Elite Eight. And uh, I had Alabama winning. So there's my south bracket. Midwest bracket, Houston beating North Kentucky. Or Northern Kentucky. It's North Kentucky, Northern Kentucky. Who the hell cares? And they got Iowa, again, biased beating Auburn. Drake, biased, beating Miami. Because I you know what? Miami very well could be a team that goes on a run. I, I picked Miami a few years ago. Remember when Miami had Shane Larkin? I'm pretty sure Miami lost in the first round that year. First or second round. Like, I had Miami going pretty far that year, and they I'm pretty confident they lost early. Could be completely wrong about it. Could be remembering that completely differently. I uh, had Indiana beating Kent State. I had Iowa State beating Mississippi State or Pitt. But again, Iowa State's super weird. They could win that game by 30 or lose by 20. I don't know. I had Xavier beating Kennesaw State. Texas A&M beating Penn State. And Texas beating Colgate. So you have Colgate versus Penn State, but no, they lost both those games. I had Houston beating Iowa. The run ends there. I had Indiana beating Drake. I had Xavier beating Iowa State. And I had Texas A&M upset City beating Texas. Texas A&M is 4-1 against top 25 teams. That was my only real reason there. Like, I, I, that'd be fun. So I, I went to Texas A&M. And then I had Houston beating Indiana. And Texas A&M continuing their run to the lead eight. But then ending there. They have not beaten Xavier. And then I have losing the Houston in the lead eight. So I have Houston and Alabama in the final four. Then we go to the west. We've got Kansas versus Howard. Surprisingly picked Kansas. Arkansas versus Illinois. Went Arkansas. St. Mary's versus VCU. VCU always loves a tournament run. Always loves a tournament run. So I went with VCU over, to, over, uh, over St. Mary's. We had UConn over Iona. I wanted to pick the Fighting Rick but I went with UConn in that. Uh, TCU versus uh, Arizona State or Nevada. I guess I went in blind and then went <laughs> I went with uh, one of those two schools, so we'll see what happens then. Whenever that game's decided, and then I had Gonzaga beating Grand Canyon, which I know Grand Canyon can usually they could they could be a tough team, but I went with Gonzaga. I had Northwestern beating Boise State, and then UCLA beating UNC Asheville. And then I had Kansas beating Arkansas, UConn beating VCU, Gonzaga winning against Arizona State or Nevada, and UCLA beating Northwestern, and then I had UConn beating Kansas. UConn beating Kansas, and then I had UCLA beating Gonzaga, and then UConn beating UCLA. So we have final four teams of Alabama, Houston, and UConn. UConn will be playing Houston, and then in the final one, the East, we had Purdue beating Texas Southern or FDU. I don't know who FDU is, so we're just gonna have Purdue there. That could come back to bite me in the ass because what if they come? What if FDU comes out and beats Purdue? That could be very sad. Then we have Memphis beating Florida Atlantic, Duke beating Oral Roberts. I did really want to put Oral Roberts over Duke. I really wanted to do that, but I, I ended up going with Duke. Tennessee beating Louisiana, Kentucky beating Providence. Almost picked Providence there. Really close to picking Providence. But I ended up going with Kentucky. I still might you know what? I might go with uh I might go with Providence there. I don't know. And then Kansas State beating Montana State. I do want to pick Montana State. My friend John my friends Johnny and Noah live in Montana State. Live in Bozeman, which is where Montana State is. I like Montana State. I've got a jack I've got a sweatshirt and I've got a shirt of Montana State, so I should pick them, but I'm not then Michigan State beating USC, and then Marquette beating Vermont. And then I have Purdue beating Memphis, Tennessee beating Duke. Because, again, I'm not confident with Duke beating Oral Roberts, so I'm not going to say they're going to beat Tennessee. And then Kentucky, though I said I'm not confident with them beating Providence, I did have them beating Kansas State. And then Michigan State, I had them losing to Marquette. Did almost pick Michigan State, but I went with Marquette. And then uh, Purdue, I have them beating Tennessee. And then Kentucky, I have them beating Marquette. Close one in that one, but I did go with the – I did go with Marquette, or Kentucky, in that one I had Purdue beating Marquette. So my final four teams are Alabama, Purdue, and Houston, UConn. I wanted to have Alabama, Purdue as the final, but uh, I didn't. I had Purdue losing to Alabama. I almost picked Purdue, really close to picking Purdue. They got that seven foot five center. Like, Zach Eadie, I really wanted to pick them, but I didn't. I went with Bama. And then I have UConn beating Houston, and then I have Alabama getting revenge on UConn. UConn beat them by 15 points earlier this season. I went with Alabama getting their event, so I have Alabama winning the national championship this year. The final score is sixty-five to fifty-nine. Now, there's some games on here. I know I said I wouldn't touch it again, but I feel like there's going to be some on here that I'm going to want to change, like last second. Like, what if I do think Oral Roberts will beat Duke? What if I want to pick Montana State over Kansas State? What if I want to do that? But who knows? I might not change. I might change. I'm in three groups, so uh, this bracket's going to cover me through three groups. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to create any other brackets. This is my only bracket. It's in all three of my groups. We're going to leave it like that. And uh, do I have anything else I really want to talk about? I mean, we we already went over the big name signings for the NFL. Cause I said we were going to talk about that, but we've already kind of discussed it. Like, there's nothing really else to, to say about on the matter. But I'll just refresh Twitter. Maybe there's something on here that's like, oh, man, can you believe that? Wait, oh, the Cowboys, they um they signed uh, Stephon Gilmore. So that's pretty cool. They got some pretty good pieces. They signed Donovan Wilson today as well. Resigned him, I guess. What else do we got on here? Trying to scroll a little bit more to try and find some stuff. Not really seeing a whole lot. Oh, James Bradbury's re signing with the Eagles. Three year $38 million deal, 20 mil guaranteed. So that, that Devin Witherspoon pick may not work. May not work. So okay, we're keep scrolling. I just want to see anything else as is happening. Oh, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show for tomorrow. Aaron Rodgers Wednesday. It's usually Aaron Rodgers Wednesday or Tuesdays, but we're going with the Wednesday. Samaji P. Ryan's on with the Broncos. I I I wanna see something like mind boggling on Twitter that I've just not seen. I really want to see something, but I'm not finding anything that's like really jarring. Like the bit the big thing so far, like what would I even say is the big thing so far? Lamar Jackson getting franchise tagged, maybe. I'm trying to see. I'm I'm on ESPN right now. They have a whole list of players that have re-signed or signed places. Uh Tremaine tr- 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 sh- well, Edmonds is the biggest one to me, but that's Jesse Bates signed with the Falcons was a pretty big deal. Tremaine Edmonds with the Bears. They gave him a C grade. Yeah, because he, he got paid. He got paid he was not the bills were not re-signing him for that i'm kind of surprised by how much the chiefs did pay for Jawan taylor i am kind of surprised by that four years 80 mil 60 mil guaranteed that is kind of surprising jimmy garoppolo to the raiders is a big one because now they have a quarterback to replace Derek carr mike mcglinchey i did see that one sign with the denver broncos play right tackle so he got a nice little tackle tandem there if they as far as i'm aware anyways javon hargrave going to the 49ers that's a big deal uh, T.J. Edwards going to the Chicago Bears. We got the Falcons trading for Jonu Smith, which is big to Payne, signing a $90 million deal to stay in Washington. Jalen Ramsey going to the Dolphins was freaking massive, too. Robert Woods going to Houston. Bears trading the number one pick to Carolina. That's the biggest move, I guess. Brandon Graham re-signing with the Eagles. Giants re-signing Daniel Jones. Geno Smith re-signing. Derek Carr signing with the Saints. I mean, there's a lot of... There's big moves. This offseason is crazy. Money's been thrown around like freaking crazy. So... Yeah, but uh, Stephon Gilmore trading, going to the Dallas Cowboys is pretty big. Former Bill. Bill's legend, Stephon Gilmore. I I got a notification from Instagram. Is this Zach DMing me because he's a big Cowboys fan? No, it's not. I'm waiting for Zach to DM me on Instagram. because he, he sends me all these different things about uh, Stephon Diggs being traded to Dallas. So we'll see if that actually happens, but I'm sure I'm going to get something sometime today. Jets are signing Alan Lazard. Okay, that's official. Per, and it's on the NFL's official Instagram account. So yeah, I'm I'm waiting for Zach to message me because he's gonna send something. Taylor Heineke signed with Falcons, big deal there. So the Fal- the Washington Commanders currently, I think, just have Sam Howell because they cut they cut Carson Wentz. We'll see where Carson Wentz goes. That's gonna be big too. Carolina would be an obvious spot, obvious spot there because of the connection with Frank Reich. Maybe he goes somewhere else. That if, if Frank Reich signed... so. If the Carolina Panthers sign Carson Wentz, they're going after Richardson. If they sign Jacoby Brissett, they're going after Stroud. Maybe they go. With, maybe they just don't care. Maybe they just don't want to pick anybody. Maybe they do end up trading back. Who the hell knows? Oh, I'm also in fantasy playoffs for hockey. I have the best team in the regular season. I'm currently winning my playoff game 15.4 to 12. My team this season in fantasy hockey went 18 and three. 18 and three have scored the most points in the league. Scored the most goals. Had the most wins for, like, the goalies. My goalies are freaking sick. Scored the most points. I've made 25 roster moves. My team has been chopped and changed, but that's what you got to do to be a championship team. We drafted really well. Only one goalie that I drafted is currently on my roster. It's Ilya Sorokin from the New York Islanders. I drafted Jack Campbell and Jordan Bennington. They both got negative points. There was a whole week where Jordan Bennington was negative. I cut his ass. I got Linus Allmark in free agency. And then I had Darcy Kemper, but I cut him. Uh, I got Ilya Sansonov from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Got him. He's back from injury. He's been playing really well recently. We drafted Kale McCarr first, and then we got the Chuck brothers. We got Brady and Matthew. Matthew's been playing pretty, freaking awesome. both of them have. I drafted Alex Tuck. I drafted Tage Thompson. I drafted Rasmus Dahlin, and I drafted Tage Thompson. But he started off the year slow, so I cut him. And then he scored the what was it? Six goals against the the Red Wings, and I resigned him that day. That night, I got him back that night. <laughs> Somehow it worked out. I got lucky that no one else was paying attention there. Tim Stutzel, I got him. I got Panarin and Kane on the team as well. Charlie McAvoy, I picked him up because nobody had him on the team when he was hurt at the start of the season. I have Dougie Hamilton, Chris Letang. My team is freaking stacked. This team is insane. But we'll see if it works out in the playoffs. Again, I'm currently winning by 3.4 points. we got to hold on a little bit. We've got some key players in there. i got Alex DeBrinkett playing tonight. Nico Heischer playing tonight. Stutzel's playing Canaran? Panarin, Kane. We got the Kangers. I texted that to my dad the other day. You watching the Kangers game? I haven't seen that on Twitter. I mean, that should be a thing that starts. The Kangers, New York Kangers. It has to be a thing. Dougie Hamilton, Charlie McVoy, they're all playing tonight. Crystal Tang's playing tonight. Shay Theodore, who I've, <laughs> I didn't draft him, but I signed him, cut him, signed him, cut him. And I've, he's just been back and forth. But we've had some key injuries. We had Vlad Tarasenko, cut him. We had, uh, and he's playing now, but he was hurt. We had Mark Stone injured. We had Cole Caulfield, who was playing really well, get hurt. there's a key We just cut Nick Suzuki. So yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But things are looking good for now. But we'll see if that holds on. Alex Tuck just got back from injury, which is really big. I he was on. He didn't get announced that he's playing until like right before the game started because everything was like he's expecting to play. So I didn't remove him off IR. So he got six points last night, and he was on my bench. He was in IR. He wasn't even on the bench. So that could have really helped me, but, you know, we move. We move. I have faith in the squad. I have faith in the squad. And I think that's all I've got for you today. I think it's all i went off on a little weird tangent for a little bit, which is what we do. That's why we love the Logan Blackman Show. The Commanders released J.D. McKissick. Ha! (laughs) That's the guy that signed with the Bills and then decided not to sign with the Bills and went back to Washington, and they just cut his ass. So good on you. Good on you, JD. Hope you enjoy your time in Washington. Man. Several GM, NFL GMs and talk with executives believe there's a real possibility that Jalen Carter falls to the Bears at nine. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I do think there's a chance that happens. I think the commanders are the commanders the Lions taking a corner is a real possibility. But I struggled seeing him pass get passed on him. So yeah. I saw I struggled on Carter falling past the Lions. But I could, again, could really see them drafting a the corner. But that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If you uh, if you didn't enjoy, I sincerely apologize. But again, leave a rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but make sure you're subscribed on both as well. And then make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. You can find the mock draft on the theloganblattmanshow.com, or you can find it on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or LinkedIn there as well. Or if you have me on Snapchat, you can find it on there as well. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. This is the last show we're going to have for the week. Uh, so I had to drag it out a little bit longer. <laughs> but I do hope you enjoyed. If not, I sincerely apologize it's probably better next time. I just got another Instagram notification. Is this one, Zach? Hold on. Is this one, Zach? Oh, I got a follower. Oh, man. Totally not a bot either. Totally real, <laughs> a totally real person. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Hope you enjoyed. I will see you guys later. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day weekend. And I will see you all next week. Peace.